And we're live. Michael, before we sat down to record this, you started talking to me about how how it was that you came to be here, basically. And I said, listen, hold off, and you can actually explain to me and everybody else while you're at it. So how is it that you came to be here? Yeah, fan- well, first of all, thanks for having me. Good to be here. You're very welcome. Um, yeah, it's kind of... I came. I suppose I would be a good friend of your brother Pat, little brother Pat, Pat my ba- baby brother, little, bi- little baby little brother, bitch Pat. <laughs> um, sorry, Pat. Uh, yeah, so I I know Pat quite well from school. We were in Pat's together, technically in Navan together. We were in the same college, and we all kind of just kept in contact growing up. And he was always all about He's always he's very proud of his brother's past. So um, he. Even me, even you. <laughs> he mentioned he's always talking about your um your business here, your growing microgreens and all that sort of stuff. And as it happened, I even though it wasn't my intention at the time, I went on and got into journalism, and I ended up working for the um Farmer Independent, which is the farming section of the Irish Independent, and um. So I was always looking for someone to interview and someone to something something different to talk. It's only after starting off. So it was good, kind of good to bring different ideas to the table, and I was like, and then I was like, I was like, oh, any anybody? This section is called my week. It's kind of towards the back of the paper, and it's for someone who's in doing farming, but someone who might be doing something a little bit different. So, and I was like, I was like, oh, I know someone, uh, past brother Fran. So I asked you, would you editor? Would she have it? So I was like, she's like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Um, something haven't done that before. Didn't even know there was really such a thing as what you do as was micro farming or what's called it uh, vertical farming even. Hmm. She, she didn't even know it was such a it, it was existed in Ireland. So we um, so I contacted you and you are obviously fairly game for a free advert in the farming independent. Absolutely, so, full yeah. spread in a national newspaper. Yeah, so we went. <laughs> so yeah, we went from there. I so interview went well article as well received and so and then you mentioned that you, during the course of the interview you mentioned you did a podcast and I was like oh that's interesting and you and you said oh I've been kind of idle for two years two years or so but you said you're hoping to get up and going in the in the future and I was like oh that kind of kind of planted a seed with me yeah so um I was like oh that sounds good and then I suppose I suppose I just kind of came across your um every every now and again they kind of refresh things online and then I saw your um your article came back up on Facebook and I was like, oh, Franz, don't you wonder how he's getting on? I suppose at the time we did it, COVID had just hit and I suppose you were saying how you kind of went from, I don't know how many, 100 boxes a week or 1,000 boxes a week. Yeah, geez, I think we were doing about 1,200, I think, when... 1,200, uh, yeah, to, to nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah so literally uh, overnight, yeah. Overnight, so I was like, geez, I wonder how Franz getting on. And then I was like, then it kind of scanned through, I was like, oh, the podcast there. Like oh, I wonder of oh, then he wonder how how that ever went and so I went online looked up asked asked me Nathan for two years like oh sure, I might give him a shout and Pat had said previously said oh that about the podcast as well and he was like oh he if he's he's obviously he needs to get the finger out with a good podcast but he's not doing it anymore <laughs> and um he got and Pat was like he's like oh if um surely if you said it to him maybe it really like a fire drum to get going so I said oh sure may as well give it a go. I'm at nothing this week, so yeah. And look, I'm delighted you did because a couple of people have been on to me over the over the years, and only recently actually, um, I was chatting to a past guest and friend of the show, Ivor McQuillan, and we were discussing 
he sent me down a psychedelics rabbit hole a couple of years ago and I've gone well down into that and psychedelics has become part of my life since and because we've so much to talk about we kept saying this we get back and do a, a third uh, have a third conversation and bring everyone back up to speed and that was only maybe we were saying that to each other maybe two days before you text me because a couple of people have texted me over the last two years like you did but it was just like, oh, yeah, not at the minute. And, you know, I have 101 excuses that I mm. just kind of got used to rhyming off. But because a couple of people had back to back said it to me and then you text me asking, you know, were you on for it? I was like, fuck. And yeah, it's it's gas because sometimes all you need is just that little, just that little push. Because aside from getting the little push, there's been nothing stopping me from having these conversations, really. Like I could list off a 100 excuses of why not. But really, when it boils down to it, it's just a matter of fucking getting out of your own way and and doing it like so thanks for, yeah, for so giving me it's that like kind of going for a run or doing you know right, I'm yeah, just going to yeah. move the mic here a bit no worries um, I think Jesus how you for me there or something um, <laughs> yeah so it's like going for a run or something like that you just have to get out and do it don't you yeah no absolutely <laughs> going to yeah, the gym no, or like that. so like they're really at the end of the day you'll spend more times thinking about it and meeting reasons why not to do it just do it you know yeah, no, no, without, without a doubt. And another thing that came to mind, I don't know if it was Alan Watts or Joseph Campbell, one of those kind of new agey guys, mm. was saying that there's a penalty for doing, there's a penalty for, for doing something, but there's also a penalty for not doing it. So what I was kind of thinking to myself was, uh, I was putting it on the long finger, getting the podcast back up and running, and it was like, will or I won't I do it, and oh, I can do it because of this, and I can't do it because of that, and I kept thinking of all the kind of negative things because it is kind of an anxiety inducing putting yourself out there like that. It's, a, you know, it, it, it can be or certainly was for me, especially some of the, the solo things I did. I did a couple of solo episodes and some of them were a bit out there. Do you know what I kind of way? Yeah. But um, what I just ended up saying to myself was, what's the downside of not doing it? And I was like, fuck. I wouldn't have had any of the conversations that I had with the people, with the guests that I would have, would have had on if I didn't get back to do it. Do you know what kind of way? So, you know, a lot of the times in life, I think generally you've, you might have two bad options and it's kind of pick your poison. Do you know what kind of way? So again, thanks for giving me the, the kick up the hole to, to get back at it. Um, yeah, I suppose it probably pushes me out of comfort zone a little bit as well. Well, I think the only, the only way you can develop really is to push yourself out of your comfort zone. I mean, if you always do what you've always what's that cliche if you always do what you've always done you'll always get what you've always got yeah uh, i never there, heard there it before but yeah there you go yeah. <laughs> i'll take your word for it but yeah it sounds right anyway yeah but it, it does it, it kind of makes sense that's the beauty of these cliches as well like that you kind of you kind of get them they, they kind of i don't know speak to a deeper part of yourself you know kind of way they don't yeah. they don't really need explaining you just kind of yeah here it once oh that makes sense yeah 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 there. yeah so it's it's fairly it's unnatural, I think, as opposed to shove a microphone in someone's face. And like, I can see we were chatting away before the start, and it was grand. And then, as soon as the microphone, you were like, I was like, even in my intro, you think, I was like, oh, <laughs> calm down. How long are we into it now? I've kind of calmed down a little bit, so we're fairly I'm okay to go now. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's great. There, there, there certainly is an ease in yourself in, and I know from listening back to previous uh episodes that I've done. The, the, there's a nervousness yeah. at the start you know kind of way and after a while you forget the mic is there and you just kind of you relax a little you know kind of way you kind of you settle into it was any conversation any stranger I suppose you kind of find your not, not that you're a stranger but I've actually spoken on the phone more times than I've actually met you in person the first time I've ever met you in person it's right so, yeah. yeah so um, 
and you kind of find your groove, I suppose, and go from there, don't you? Yeah, very much so. The, the beauty of having the mics kind of shoved in your face is it kind of focuses you in a little. Do you know that kind of way? Because mm. if, if we, let's say if you were to call around to my house, you know, and we were just chatting or whatever, the telly would be on or the radio would be on. Or, do you know that kind of way? There's, here, it's it's face-to-face. It's kind of, it's full on and it, it is a bit intimidating. But again, if you can just get over the first five or ten minutes, you kind of relax yeah, a little what... into it and... um. I know, get to, I suppose, get to relax and be yourself, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose it reminds us of the hundreds of thousands of people listening around the world, you know. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all of the subscri- subscribers out there, yeah. <laughs> like, share and subscribe, you can't. <laughs> uh, before I forget, you used to work for the f- the Farmer's Journal? Yeah, I worked for the, f- I work for the Farm Independent now, so it's the third publication i've worked for so i did an internship with the farmer's journal uh, sorry to cut across you but did you have any dealings with anthony murphy uh, yeah anthony yeah he uh of mythical ireland, mythical fame. ireland fame yeah yeah he was one of the sub editors up there um nice fella him and, him and his brother brian worked there and um they were so they, it's they basically when you get a newspaper it's not just write it up in word and just lump it in. Everything has to be kind of does a shape for every page. Picture has to be put there. Columns has to be placed there. All that sort of stuff. So he was part of the team that kind of didn't write it, but he kind of, I suppose, so bad that we kind of read over it, proofread it to a certain extent after journalists wrote, and he kind of fitted it to the page. So that was his gig. Right. And um, actually, I didn't know it was only for towards the end of my time that I found out about his other kind of. Um, interest is um, the mythical island side, side, and, side yeah. Yeah. and actually, and, and then it's only and then I when I finished the journal, I went to I was away for a while, and then I went did a bit of, um work for with the Me Chronicle, and I actually worked with his father then. No way, yeah, Paul. Yeah, just he's not a young man. Um, what age is he? He is closer to eighty than he's seventy, but he's still still working away. He was doing Class. um. I started off in the Chronicle just I was um looking for something to do and I said we didn't did a bit of um freelancing with emphasis on the free part <laughs> and um I I've used that line before and um <laughs> Paul kind of took me under his wing in the first week or so and we went to um he said he was during the summer so it wasn't much happening there's was no course sitting there's no council meetings like that but then as soon as courts started opening up again he was like Oh sure, come along and I I'd cover the courts and trim, come along and um sure show you how, how what it's like, do a bit of corporate and get a bit of experience for yourself. So it was like, okay, fair, fair enough, yeah. And this was when you were in college. In, in, this was in, um I was this was it started in the somewhere between colleges. So, yeah. Between okay. first and second year of my postcard. And you when you so you did the leaving and did journalism? No, I did leaving in um two thousand eleven. I then I went and did Ag Science in okay. UCD for four years and then I worked on my farm, home farm for a number for three years two two and a half years and then I went for the farmer's journal I kind of then went farmer's journal and then the meat chronicle and then I worked for kind of an administration job for eight or nine months and then I got my current gig now which is the Irish which independent, is farm independent farm independent yeah uh, Irish independent farm I've been called it yeah and um Obviously, with gaps between t- different things along the way, but that's in chronological order. That's that's what it is. 
And did you have a, like a burning desire to get into farming when you were in school or journalism or anything like that? Or? Um, like, like lo- most people in their leaving cert, I didn't really have any idea what I want to do. We have a farm, I do egg science. It's the thing I wanted to do. Not necessarily I wanted to. I look back, it's like, that's what I want to do. It's what I... It made sense. It made sense. Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, it's the thing I wanted to do, least wanted to do. The least that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that makes sense. But yeah, um, like, like I knew it didn't wasn't going to get anywhere near you know dentistry or medicine or and it didn't probably wouldn't suit me anyway. Right. And then uh, teaching, not sure, quite possibly. Um, they want to do nursing or and like that. So I said like science. There we go. Yeah, it's it's a funny one though because you're you're at that age like what age are you 17 18 mm. and you're kind of being asked you know what do you want to do for the rest of your life and like most people if they're anything like me they'll be well into their 30s before they have a a good concrete idea of what they want to do with their life do you know what I mean? oh yeah definitely like and the thing about the leaving cert is it's it's a good start it's a good jumping off point like uh, if there's any doing their leaving cert they're do good leaving cert it's, you, you won't regret it but it's not and it's by no way the, or manner or means the end of the world if you don't get what you want there is always a way into it like my sister um, Elaine my, um, she did um, she didn't get the points that she wanted no she didn't get the points that she wanted to do she did like a course for a few months in Sligo didn't like it dropped out did the PLC got back in to did a degree in um, as a result of doing the PLC got a degree in um, business in Minute and now is working for some marketing company and she's happy as Larry really yeah, so it is. Yeah, so always a way. So basically, yeah, the moral of the story is you'll always find a way to do what you want to do. Oh, without a doubt. And I think these days more so than ever. Yeah. Like like the likes of myself, like I've no background in horticulture or farming or anything like that. Yeah. But it doesn't, hasn't stopped me from running a horticulture business. Like, do you know what I mean? And I think it, it came up in the article, the idea of um, everyone with a degree in horticulture, they all do the same degree in horticulture. So they all have the same mindset and the same idea of how it should work or is supposed to work or how it has worked. But if you go into an industry without really knowing anything about it, you know, the, you make up your, you make it up as you go along. Now that doesn't make things a whole pile easier, but it certainly makes it exciting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose there's a level of sameness to a lot of people. Like I'm talking to one farmer who um, down in, in Mayo, milking, Montbelliard cattle would be non-traditional type of breed I suppose to breed to um, I'm not going to go into technicalities of it but he's doing a non-traditional system basically Um, he wouldn't be following the Chagas which are the kind of the government agricultural advisory body yes not following their method he's like you know my system the way I do it off the west coast of Mayo we get six months of rain every year you know winter or at least you know there's um, if I can't milk the way a farmer down in Cork who has you know you know 300 days of sunshine yeah, or whatever yeah. you want to call it so like I have to do my own way so there's and he was get, kind of criticising that there's too, too many people coming to college are the very same they're the same system with the same approach same approach else. same everything same mindset same everything like and you can try, you can take them and put them in any farm in the country and they'll do the exact same thing even though it might be necessarily what is required for that that particular that farm system, yeah. yeah no absolutely and probably go same probably same goes for it's a very general thing to say, but probably the same thing could go for any walk of life, any business, any organization. Oh, I think so, yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um which or what type of farm and background like what it's a family farm, you grew yeah, up in a farm. Farm. What, what farm. What is yeah, it? Yeah, we're is a dairy it? farm, yeah. We're a dairy okay. farm in um 
here in Mead between Trim and Navin, Dundery is kind of the name of the place, if anybody knows it. Right. And what's the dairy industry like these days? Or, I mean, is it good? Is it bad? Is it. I wouldn't have the first clue about it, like. I know, do I? Um, <laughs> it's middle of the road, kind of the minute. Yeah, it's. Um, when COVID kicked in, like everyone else took a hit, probably didn't take as big of a hit as people would have expected it. Like, is that because it's majority of it's going into retail or no? This kind of international markets kind of bounce back a bit quicker than things were things um expected. I think like I probably should know a lot more about it than I do, but I kind of just. But again, it's not. It's not. It's not your thing. Like no, but uh, it could be again in the future. I haven't ruled it out. But um, <laughs> if your dad is listening, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dad. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, like it's it it fluctu- it there was, let's say you get paid per cents per liter, and some people had predicted a do a six cents per liter drop, which is huge, right? Over two or three months, which is like a lot, you know. Um, and I think it fell about four, but then it stabilized, and then it kind of it didn't jump back up, but it crept back up ever so slightly. You know, people some people are saying that you know it should be come up a bit, come back up to where it was a, a lot quicker, but it's hovering around the, uh, maybe three cents off where it was at the start maybe two cents but yeah which you can kind of live with in the middle yeah, of a, live, a yeah, pandemic look, look like. it's, a, it's a good price it's a good way of life it's a good it's, if anybody who wants to make any um, if you want to make any money in farming these days they reckon dairy is the way to go because the way beef and thing, everything's gone it's their loss to make enterprises more than else right and they're surviving as a via subsidies or yes a lot of subsidies and okay like that, yeah. okay and your degree in ag science, ag science, like presumably short for agricultural Agri- science. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, agriculture is such a broad term. I mean, what was what was it that you were actually learning about? Was it the running of a of a of a no. farming business, or you know how to plow fields, or how to feed cattle, or do you know? Kind of There's a lot of lot of lot of BS in it. To be honest, like those, um, you wouldn't. The last, in first and second year, a lot of science, which is fair enough. I think in every you had kind of have to have a scientific understanding of what's going on. But there was very little from a university. If we don't in the university, it was kind of was all kind of um, there was no practical element to it. Like so, there was a lot of you know you go down to the you learn about go down to the business school and you learn about change management or supply chain management or yes different things like that. You're like, well, you know, this is what good is this to me? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, do you know, obviously you kind of have to broaden your mind and do learn about different things, but like it's, it's probably the same in every course. But a lot of it is is just you hand in your last assignment or did your last exam, and that was the last you ever taught that. I know you what you mean. Yeah, probably yeah. does have theory, all t- stuff, theory stuff, but like it probably does have a place. But um, a lot of it's kind of I won't say it's lip service, but it's kind of you have to have that. It's no good in a practical sense, basically. Yeah, yeah. But look, I think a lot of degrees are like that. And I think a degree in a lot of cases is just, from an employer's point of view, it's can this person sit through four or five years college and pass their exams? Mm. Because if they can, it means they're of a certain caliber, regardless of what the degree is. I've seen, I remember seeing when I was looking for work years ago before I started working for myself, on a job application or a, not on a job application, on a... Um, like a, a, the notice for a job it'll have in the description must have degree 
but it might necessarily you might necessarily need to have a degree in business or a degree in anything the fact that you just have a degree is kind of good enough because so it kind of serves that purpose if nothing else but you so living on the farm did your degree in ag science sorry was that first how did you get into the journalism bit of it again sorry oh sorry so i did my degree in ag science worked on the farm that was straight out of straight out of college yeah yes um and so i was there for about two and a half years and i was like oh after a while maybe i just like i was getting bored um you know dad was was still is young enough man he's early 60s like so he's still I won't say rules rules because he's not a tyrant or like that but he's still, yeah, yeah. He's still in charge like, yeah know, of course his, his farm like so why, would, why wouldn't he be and then we had um, we've other workers in the farm as well who've been there one fellow who's there he's from Poland Matthew's his name are you Matthew he's um, there 14 years fuck and so he's and he's he likes to and he, so he fairly knows the run of the place and, of course yeah um, he's you know his basically his farm like some of the people some of our neighbours call him Matthew Keevney you know yeah. he's there so long so he's really he knows well and he's you know and then I suppose he called him another chief that's another chief and then another fellow and then I was there for a while and then another fellow started working for us who'd be a very good worker from Stephen from Donegal and then he's another chief and I was like and she's a lot of chiefs here there's not enough Indians you know? yeah yeah so yeah I was like oh geez so I'm maybe I should do something else so again I, and then I'd always liked kind of I always reading when he was younger I was always reading newspapers and all that sort of stuff and I don't know if you ever remember doing CSP yeah yeah in school yeah uh, C- if, CSP yeah, yeah civic the, social and political education yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think our class is the first our, my year was the first year to have that as a, a junior yeah, the junior subject, subject, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember doing that and there was um, inside the books there was like pictures of all the ministers Okay, and um, the teacher was like, and we had to say who they were, and I and the, the, the teacher used to ask me who they were. She'd know who they were. And how would you? So she'd read newspapers. Oh, okay, things. yes, so yes. I always and listen to radio. Like, oh, that's Enda Kenny. That's Mary Harney. That's whoever that is. It was kind of like, so I always kind of an interest in current affairs and yeah, yeah, keeping in touch and tune with things. So. And that's kind of was sprouted from there. I just didn't really notice it for a while. It's like it just kind of I thought that that's what everybody did, and and then because that was my first kind of thing. Oh, maybe it's just you. Um, yeah, yeah. And then so I was always in radios. I always listened to different podcasts and um, different shows like Off the Ball and different things. And so um, Dad was like, remember when my dad goes to me? Like, it was kind of discussing like. Oh sure, not you might do something different or whatever. And he was like, "Why don't you not do something in journalism? Like you're always listening to the radio, you're always doing this, you're always whatever." It's like, mm, okay, I didn't never really thought of that, but okay, give it a go. And that's kind of was born from there, really. No, and has it? I was about to say, has it lived up to your expectations? But you probably wouldn't have really had. You didn't really know what you were kind of getting into, or did you? I don't know. No, I hadn't a clue. And I clue. what's your like looking back? Like how long are you at now? Uh, on and off. I am since 2017. Okay. So about, if you're, say if you cram it all together, it'd probably be about um, 18 months. And one thing that I like asking people who are in, like you're in the, the journalism loop, you're in the kind of media loop, hmm. which obviously the majority of people aren't in. And I love talking to people from, from different loops because you just get a kind of a, a different perspective. I don't know any other journalist. I don't think I've ever spoken to another journalist. So... Uh, 
what I, one thing I like asking people who are in their own little loop is what are the misconceptions that people have of it and what so two things what are the misconceptions people have and what would you wish people knew more about there or, do you, do you, if that makes sense yeah you, you just on the inside say I, I wish the film Green Street never existed Green Street yeah, oh yes yes the <laughs> football hooligan yeah, journalism <laughs> one more person says that to me oh my god <laughs> journal scum huh like people think it's funny and it's like it's like it's like in father ted they don't believe it like, well no one says that to him yes it's, yes it's, it's it's exactly like that <laughs> and then i sometimes i just give a real like, aggressive aggressive laugh and someone does this and just, <laughs> and just walk <laughs> off do you, know, you just get, oh, shut up <laughs> um so you're not all scum <laughs> not all scum there is an element of scum in it hey, look there's an element of scum in everything i suppose yeah um so I don't don't you call it a misconception. Um I suppose people you kinda of have to you know, but with us anyway, you kinda of have to make sure your facts are right just because like it's like if a story breaks that I'd know that um Enda Kenny has been or Enda Kenny's not even drink two T shirts if Michal Martin <laughs> has been shot dead. Like uh, an example. Um like we have to not unless we saw it ourselves we have to get confirmation of it we can just can't copy anybody else yes which mightn't be the same for other publications yeah but for most any self-respecting publication they kind of have to you can't just go because someone else said you have to have the confirmation yourself that's an interesting one though uh, any self-respecting publication are self-respecting publications in decline do you think um like from from my I, I don't really follow um media in general I avoid most of it like the plague to be honest but my perception of it is that most of it's either half truths or just a, a lot of half truths a lot of a lot of a lot of omission as well what I, one thing what criticism I'd have about Irish news say is they don't really go with salacious headlines like in you might see in other countries but yes it was an Irish there's defamation is a lot more a lot stronger in Irish um, law so yeah so, so your fear is getting sued basically yeah is more it? or less yeah. okay like a lot of stories we do we have we send to a legal team okay if you mention any company or anything like that you sent to a legal team I'm, I'm sure when I interviewed you um, it could it probably legal to, maybe it might not have been but like any any story but they said when COVID happened um, happened or broke out whatever we got an email from our head on show saying any story that you do mention the company get legal because a lot of companies going to be sorry a lot of companies are going to be going under they'll be looking for a, pay, a payout or yes. payday, a payday get it legal get it checked okay interesting and pre-COVID then is there particular industries or that you would have to be extra wary of or like my understanding of defamation is you can pretty much say what you want about somebody who doesn't have the capacity to sue you. Not, you know, within reason, obviously. Like, um, do you know what I mean? No, I wouldn't say. I, I, I've never, I don't touch wood now. I don't have any um, first-hand experience. Of it, so it's, <laughs> Thankfully. It happens to a lot of people. It's, it's more common than you think. Um, like, would we do stuff and the... Um, if it's pointed to the um, if I do a story on 
I've read the story on you and the main paper said oh we want to use that excuse me yeah. that war um, if, they, if they decide they want to use it they take it off us but somebody else will reword it like oh that doesn't make sense blah blah but they might not have any idea of the um what what the subject was like yes so it happened time to time that they make up all of it for want of a better word and um yeah so, so then then reads nothing like it was in the first place and next minute like okay here then you read the paper like i never said that that's not true that's not true oh yeah but give me next minute we get a sit um a letter so post, letter, yeah, yeah of course and is there is that a part of the course in journalism that you would have done is that a, yeah, big, there's, there's a, a big part of it yeah there's a law we did a module on media law and okay basically basically anything that you say that is the truth it, that's a lie if i tell a lie about any about anybody to at least one more person um that's um like defamation but it has to be like to there's some to like um not not self-respecting or people of kind of high regard or whatever like basically any normal person is to read let's say if i was if i said something about you to someone who was clinically insane it might that might be get away with it do you know what i mean i know what you mean yeah so who i suppose who you're saying it to yeah kind of upstanding but there's some word and i can't remember what it is but something like that so like i remember one the, the examples of um accounts of defamation doesn't ha- doesn't have to be um in a um a paper like she one of my college lecturers said that there was this case in she was a barrister and there's a case in dublin where somebody sent a text to a manager of a child's football team and there was three or four of them managing team together and one of them sent a text to another one about someone else so and they said that johnny said to mary that paddy was a paedophile and it wasn't true but they said it Yes, sued. I think they got forty five grand out of or something. Fuck yeah, you have to be so careful, especially these days, because something, especially with on with an online publication, like yeah. you ma- you make a mistake and then you might cop it the day after, or the, let's say it goes for publication, the guy who you interview reads it and goes, "Hang on a second, that's not true." Like the fucking cat is well out of the back at that yeah. stage. Like there's no there's no pulling it back once it's once it's gone out. Um. Yeah. So it's, it's like basically, if I wrote in the table, if I said to you now. That all you need to say to one person, if I say to you now about something, um, something in defam- defamatory about anyone, like even if we weren't being recorded, um, it could be um classified. Uh, yeah, you could be liable. So. Yeah, ground to be sued. There's there's certain defenses for it. Like if it's proven to be the truth, if it's proven to be if it's in the doll, you can say what you want. Yes. If there oh is, no, sorry actually, I said yes there as though I followed you, but I don't think I do. If you're in the doll... If you're a sitting TD in the doll, in the court, doll's in session, you can you can basically say what you want. Um, so you could say, you know, Joe Bloggs is a paedophile. Maybe not a paedophile, yeah, but... Yeah, but you can say what they do. Yeah, like, so there was, one, there was a case of... Like, Josefa Madigan, I'm not sure. Um, she's a politician. Um, she was with Renewa. Okay. Something and she said something about I think it was her. Don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and I think there was like a McGill summer school thing which was a big political don't know what it is, up in um Donegal or something. And she said something about a developer. 
and because she hadn't said it in the doll, she didn't have that privilege, and she was sued upon the, for whatever amount. Jesus, right? Yeah. So, the, and what's the idea of being of being able to speak I'm, more freely in the doll? Is that like is that the point so yeah, that people so can kind of yeah, in a, they're not they're not afraid they're not of afraid. Yeah, I think that's it. Should they be? Do you think? Like, I, on one hand, I get the idea that, you know, they should be free to basically say what they want without, you know, within reason, without mm. fear of being sued. On one hand. But on the other hand, it's like, you're in the doll. Get your fucking facts right. Don't be saying something you shouldn't be. There should be, you know, there should be the same defamation laws there as there should be anywhere else. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one, Mark. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose it, it could, could be dangerous in defense of, you know, someone set up the door and started spreading bullshit do you know well you see especially these days with yeah. kind of the rise of populism I suppose like people are looking for and especially between the rise of populism and kind of clickbait media in general if you can say yeah but most of the, the clickbait more than the rise of populism populism I think has always been there it certainly has. It's it's nothing new, but it's on people, the rise, is it? Would you not think it's on the? Maybe it's not now. Again, I've I've no I'm no historian of these things. No, no, neither would I. But I think people kind of are very quick to throw it out there. But like you look, say if you look back through history, I'd say there's a fair few amounts of um, right wing leaning politicians have just kind of kind of now people are kind of more hyper aware of it more than else. Are we more hyper aware of it, or did we get a break from it for a while? Might have got more of a break from it, yeah. Yeah, as Probably opposed do, do, to do, do this come, new thing. Yeah, it comes and comes and goes in cycles. Like you know, there was that little thing back in the thirties and forties. If you remember that. Yeah, remember I do. That? I yeah. do vaguely. Yeah, if you ever heard of that, and then you know, like by all accounts, Woodrow Wilson, president of America in the twenties, was a massive fascist. Like really, to it, yeah. I really hope I'm saying this is all true because it could, it could be really. I don't think he's going to see. You I know, somehow. but I, I know really. My journalistic credentials could be going to could be sinking at a rate of knots here. But you look, the, yeah. the, it's the I suppose the the beauty of this type of medium is that you can edit it. Well, you can edit it, and there's there's a bit of back and forth, and it's like I I wouldn't want to sit. I I'd have less interest in sitting down chatting to somebody who was really polished and who was giving me the you know the by the book answer because you're not when you speak to somebody like that you're not really speaking to them you're speaking to their their persona like, yeah, like you yeah. often walked in here as Michael Keaveney writer for the Irish Independent like you've just walked in here as fucking Mick Keaveney like yeah, you yeah, know yeah, that's for sure, yeah. and that's that's what I'm after I don't want to re- I don't want to talk to people who are just going to reiterate the fucking Wikipedia page on something you know kind of way yeah it's true yeah um before I forget, you mentioned one of your sisters there earlier. Is she one of the three twins? Yeah, the three twins. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I don't know that, who I heard say that. Short or something. Is it Pat John, Short? Or John Kenny? One of the unbelievable. Yeah. That's probably another one for you though. Is that uh, oh, is that, that like a, a journal thing? A scumbag every, every journal. Every now and thing? again, yeah, you, you could just crop up. Wouldn't be overly common, but people who've seen that clip throw it up. Yeah. What's the fascination? Because I have it. I'm mad to talk to you as a triplet I just think I don't know and I don't know why it's so fucking trivial it's incredible like I mean you've no you've no say in it you, no, you know it's, just, it's, no, it's nothing do you know what kind of way but at the same time it's it's kind of something it's a weird one to me it's a weird one to you it's obviously not a weird one no yeah again it's something that I just used to like um, as soon as I remember being in school and um, in first year and you had to yes, get to know each other and you have to ask each other questions or whatever yes like someone's like oh, tell me three things you know about you and then teacher teacher went around and you had to say one line about what you learned about your your friends beside you and 
So he goes, oh yeah, Michael's a triplet. And then does big, of the, what? And then 20 heads just <laughs> shot around and looked at me. You know? And yes, again, it's just something that I've always, it's so cliche, but something that we've always, not, I've always had, so there's no reason to stand out. Like, you know, I don't see anything special about it. But then again, I suppose, you do come across the odd triplet every now and again. Um, He's are out there. Yeah, there are more, there's more than just those. I think, actually, Mam's friend has, Triplets somewhere in Kilmessen, and there's a few, few, you know, a few of them around. And then when we were when we were born, they joined in the um, some like association for multiple births or something. That, I was I was actually going to say, and I was would have been taking the piss, like you know, are you not part of a triplets union or something? <laughs> like, but you are with the Ah, uh, no, no, I think it was just something. But I think it was um something that at the when we were just when you had babies, just for like mm. maybe a support group. Help us, yeah, yeah, fucking to, right, I, I, Jesus. I you know, get cheaper nappies. I even know if that's what it was. And um, do who was in it was um Joe Duffy, his wife. He's triplets. Oh no! Way. Not the MMA fighter, the presenter. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not the sound one. Yeah. Ah, well, I don't know. I don't. I never met Joe Duffy. I'm sure he's a nice man. I'm sure he's a perfectly nice man. Yeah. Perfectly nice man. But it just on the whole triplet thing, you reminded me. Uh, I can't remember the comedian. What's your man's name? British comedian looks a bit like Hitler. Does the one-liners real slapstick guy? I can't think of his name, but one of his jokes was. Um, it's not Milton Key. No, no, no. no. Uh, real pasty fellow with kind of jet black hair. Me bro- little baby brother Pat's a massive. Oh, Jimmy Carr. There we go, Jimmy Carr. He a a a bit. What was it? He meets some woman called you know I don't know, Rapunzel or something, an odd name, and he goes, Oh, Rapunzel. That's a name you don't hear every day, and she goes, "Yes, it is." From you, know, from her, yeah, yeah, from yeah, her yeah, yeah. She, it's nothing unusual to her. Like, do you know, like I know, it's the same kind of thing with yourself and the triplets. Like, you can see how people might be interested, but I can see how you absolutely wouldn't. Like, do you know, like I know, yeah, I'm sure it's probably the same with you and some of your interests. You know, psychedelics or maybe maybe something you're only maybe something new, new to you or your MMA or your what you're doing here. Like they're all fairly distinct. I don't think I've I've never heard of I heard people doing people doing MMA, but I've never met another vertical farmer. I've never met do you know so, so everybody has their own little quirks. Yeah, what are yours? Um, well, not to put you on the spot or anything. I don't know. Do I have any <laughs> quirks? I'm sure you're a triplet. You, a triplet. It, it doesn't really count. It's in the same. <laughs> Um, can't be leaning on that from but my personality. What's he like? Oh, well, he's a triplet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and getting back to the the journalism and things, you're in the farming independent. Have you? So all your stories are farming related. Yeah, they have to be farming related. Yeah. Kind of, and do you love or hate that, or is are you indifferent oh, it, to it? Or yeah, I like it. It's there's a lot more. There's a lot of scope. It's like um, my scope is a lot of. There's always stories. Out there. I just it has been a week when I've been left idle but sometimes you're like um my, my boss will come back to me like oh we need more about farming here or if i say something like that's that's not really farming related we can't really do that but um you'd be surprised when you can the mileage you can get out of it <laughs> and is there any particular places you've been or stories that you've covered this you just kind of blew you away or that you didn't really know anything about or um no it's, I'm, only, I'm only there since april um, I suppose, yeah, and, and COVID and as well. COVID, like the, like the week that the country shut down, I got word of the job. Oh, um, hilarious! Yeah, so like I haven't met. I met my boss three times. Um, 
once when I did a, I did a freelance when I first started off I sent in an article my first one and she was like I just a cold call um pitch said oh they were interested in her in it um then they read said oh, we like it and then good can I meet you for a cup of coffee so we met up and discussed doing more work and then the job came available so um that's the first time I met her then the job came available and then they did interviewed for it and um, that was the second time I met her and then the third time I met her was about two or three weeks ago or maybe a month ago maybe more at this stage um when we just met up we arranged to meet in um the Arduino as it was just to say hello because we haven't met each other since so like we, we I'm on the phone to her three four times a day but I've only met her three times yeah it's gas isn't it that's yeah. more becoming more the norm now though I think a lot of mm. people are kind of realising that their job A can be done from home and B you, know, you don't no, there's no need for the commute. There's no need for the parking. There's no need for the to be in the office. Like wrecking your head, like yeah, it's good. It's good for probably in journalism. Probably would have its benefits of networking and different things. Like, and it's good to build a rapport with the people you're working with. Do you know you can yes for, working, to, for a team spirit and team spirit and you know breaking the mundanity of being in the front room all day every day. Yeah, and are you? Would you be out and about more? Or like, can you go and visit people? Because our interview was done over the phone. Yeah, well, ours is kind of done at the height of COVID, so it probably yes. couldn't have been done. But um, yeah, I have gone. I have not that often, only three or four times. I have gone around. Um, I went to Kilkenny, I went to Common, and I went to Kilbegan. And who are you visiting on these farmers? Trips? Farmers. Sometimes you, you ring up like the the IFA, like the Irish Farmers Association, and like, the, every region, every county has their own chairs. And sometimes you might just. Just we haven't covered someone from Sligo for a while, or as common, we we'll just ring up the kid Sligo rep and say, "What's the story up there? Any news? Um, do any farmers the interview?" And you just go up and interview them. And do you get like how much of free reign do you have to go and talk to whoever, or are you like, will you? Is it your boss's job to go? Is it like what you just said there? But Sligo, let's say, if somebody hadn't been, if the story hadn't been done on someone in Sligo in X amount of months, is it your boss's job to kind of cop that and tell you? we need a story from Sligo or is that on you or is it about both uh, or? yeah both of us kind of like some days she'll say how's how thing, how's things going in that my week section or whatever Um, we haven't done anybody in such, it's what you hear in a while you ring we haven't done in these few places I'll ring for, off the West Common Cork you ring Kerry Mayo Galway and yes. we'll come up with a few together and we'll go from there so yeah and how many of your counterparts are there Doing your job, say? Uh, there is three of us full time. Okay. And then there is more, three of us, and then there's, I don't know how many other freelancers there is, but like some of the freelancers do, do a fair bit of stuff now, um, but just three of us full time. Say a fair bit of stuff. So like there's, like there's a 30, 34 page paper. So there could be. I'm not sure how many articles there are in it because some, some half page, some two Full, pages. Yeah, of course. So, like, so you need to fill out every week. So um, there's different co- contributors come right in every week. Okay. So, fill it. so other papers like the Farmer's Journal, it was more in house. That there was, you know, like there was a news team, which I was on. Which was like, there's like six or seven on that. And then there's like the dairy writers, there's two of them, two beef, sheep, whatever. To machinery oh but they're specific so there'd be a dairy writer and a sheep writer yeah. and the, and what type of writer are you uh, i'm just anting like across across the board yeah okay um master none like, <laughs> not that you mean that 
Um, but in the, so in and in the in the farmer independent, there's um, there's three of us there full time, and then there's like we have, we use different freelancers for different things. Like we have set freelance the same ones nearly every week. Yeah, they're, they're practically full timers. But, but and then there's, and there's a section like there's a section dairy beef tilled sheep whatever. But then there's like um, there's a row of there's four main sections. There's a row of um, you might have three or four of each and use one every month. So okay, kind of and is there a, would your boss or even you have a backlog of stuff that's kind of always ready to go to publication? Yeah, you kind of you build up a kind of you try and build up a. A reservoir, a reservoir of stories or articles yeah, or whatever yeah, well, it is. When I interviewed you, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't think he used it for about two months. And then it's like, oh, I have this fella in Mead. Oh, sure, just type it up and use it. Like, um, Yeah, so you could be busy having conversations with people, but not even not having written anything. You just have a a backlog of stuff to write about if, you know, your boss says we need to write about yeah, someone like, in Sligo or whatever. I, it's like did a story last week and I wrote it up last week interviewed him last Tuesday wrote it up on Thursday and it's not going to it'll be used the week after next and would that be is that kind of normative that that would be the typical run of things like? for some things it would be and other things kind of date whatever and like the news stuff which is kind of the news items obviously that I, yes it has to be written to be, on the Monday like, and I, published on the Monday like, practically like if we're talking now Phil Hogan resigned yesterday was it yesterday it was yesterday like I can't write about that next week, <laughs> do you? Know? Yes, of course. It has to be done yesterday. You know? Yes, like yeah. So different. It seems it seems trivial to me. Maybe it, it kind of you know, I feel the only you know something you kind of trying to explain it. So you oh can't, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, you you know it so well. It's hard to kind of uh, yeah. That's the thing when I'm, into, when I'm talking to someone about do you know um some farmers you talk about they're talking about oh sure without and the field x was there or whatever and like sorry i don't know what that is yes they know it so well they can't they, they don't even they just kind of glance over do you know what I'm about? it's just like yeah of course most yeah. of the memory them talk about their own farm doing sort of stuff yeah there. especially with jargon then thrown in yeah. on top of it as well oh, like they know exactly what they're saying but yeah you haven't a clue like. yeah jargon and tick carry accents or yes. whatever it's a disaster <laughs> you know um would you like to? Is there another industry, or I don't know if industry is the right word? You're in agriculture, say. Have you grown you to move into other industries? Or are you happy kind of where you are? Or yeah, my what were you thinking? Sports, but it's a very um, it's a lot in it. Like it's very hard to get a job in it. Um, and is that because it sport from a newspaper point of view would be there be a lot more eyeballs on it than agriculture or? Like why is there so much, so many more people involved in it? So. Not saying sport, like there's so many. Um, it probably is a lot more eyeballs than like sure. All a lot of farmers like sport, but not all sports people like farming. Everybody's kind of an passing yes. interest in sport. Like, like you and you might like football. We talked about Philly and Martin before. You hadn't heard of him, but you imagine you like MMA or everybody likes a lot of people like sport basically. Yes, like the farm section comes out once a week. Sports sections there every day. That being said, the sports section kind of disappeared during COVID and the farm section kept going. But, yeah, uh, of course, yeah, yeah. Going farming, little victories. Um, <laughs> but um, it's just a lot more people trying to get into it and those who aren't working in it for a paper have their own blogs and different things. So it's kind of saturated to yes. a certain extent. And have you any interest or what, actually, aside from having interest in doing it, do you have a, 
is have you an obligation not to write for other papers or oh, to yeah. do podcasts or to uh, you hopefully know? not hopefully not to do podcasts <laughs> 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 kicking the teeth if I told you there. sorry about that Fran um, but you know what I mean there's no restrictions on you having a YouTube channel or a podcast of your own never mind appearing on somebody else's or is there is there any kind um, of conflict of I'm interest I'm assigning contracts and I'm not allowed to write for other papers okay um, and different things so um yeah. And on the free, would you have any interest in doing freelance, or do freelancers all want jobs, or what way does that typically kind of pan out? If freelancers, it's more lucrative probably to do freelancing if you can, if you can keep get enough going, of it, like if yeah, you get enough of it, yeah, okay. Um, because it's funny the photographer that came down. So just to give the people the background, um, we spoke on the phone, and uh, you did the the interview over the phone at the height of COVID, and then it was a couple of weeks later. The photographer came down and was just basically uh, picking his brain on his job and, and everything else. And he was saying that he, what did he, I think he described himself as a dinosaur because he's a full-time employed photographer with the Irish Independent. Mm. And he said, I think when he started, let's say, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, but you'll get the gist. When he started 20 years ago, there was 20 full-time uh, photographers. And now there's him and some other fella and the rest of it's all freelance. I suppose because back in the day, to take a photo of sufficient quality, you needed a you know the equivalent of a fifteen hundred euro camera. But now, literally, everybody has one of those in their in their pocket. Like yeah, like we were talking about um some fellow there today and his um uh his picture of him the, the TikToker fella and carry farmer that carried and these videos of his um dog and it's gone viral. So just a kind of a friendly kind of an interview with him and this fluffy thing. Yeah, yeah. And, um, we pictures of him that it, it, it was it was in the Kerry man, the newspaper down in Kerry, and um we which we own so um we got them to send us on the photos and my one of the um production guys was like, can you just find out who took that photo? It looks like it's a, it's a professional. Yes. Photo. So I got on to him and he was like, no, that was my sister. Hilarious. Yeah. So um, kind of making cameraman defunct to a certain extent. We shouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> actually, I don't even know. Actually, I don't even know. Actually, that's, that's that's not based on any fact at all. Like there is, I think there probably always be, like there'll always be a need for journalism. There'll always be, I think there'll always be for cameramen as well, I suppose. And how do you feel then about? So you're you're competing against freelancers, mm. and presumably you don't need to be a registered freelancer in order for the paper to run your story. I mean, if if I was just to write something on, let's say something that I know more about more than most people, vertical farming. Mm. Can I just send that into the independent? Yeah, and, and you can do it. Anybody can do it. And uh, does that happen at all, or is this? Is yeah, it ninety nine percent freelancers or full timers that that churn out this stuff? What do you mean, sorry? The articles that actually get published in the paper, I, I would imagine ninety nine percent of it, or more even, is full time journalists or full time freelancers. If that makes sense. Do many regular people just write in and that stuff get published um i'm not 100 sure to be honest i wouldn't be wouldn't deal with it i'd imagine do too much too much with them i imagine there'd be the odd one but pe- people like we use a lot of the same freelancers yes of course people that you know and that are decent and whatever else yeah so we we know when you like their style and whatever um so it's like so i said i've had some people like not in the farm independent but in the chronicle and the farmer journal like they, they sent try and send in a report or something else and you know what they write is pure 
bollocks to be honest. Like, <laughs> you can't, he's like, there's no way I can publicize that. And in relation to most stuff that you see out there, do you think it's now that you're in the loop and you're in the journalism route? Do you think that the quality of it is good generally, or what do you think is missing, or there should be more or less of? Or yeah, like kind of the way you want to criticize anyone, but I think yeah, it's. I think yeah, we're kind of lucky in this country. So we'll be a good. Like I wouldn't really pay too much attention to um. So some tab, I suppose tablets already had their place, and certain people thought I wouldn't really be a big reader of them, but um, in the the broadsheets like the Irish Times and the independent and different things there seems to be a bit i think the quality of journalism in ireland is fairly high yeah again i, I don't i don't like, follow it as much but i'm sure I, there'd be probably would be critics and different things though but i think it's i tend to follow these things much more broadly and so when i say much more broadly like i'd work i look i'd see is i'd be i'd be exposed to as much american politics as i would and english politics as i would irish politics say but one thing that i've kind of it's it's not that I know it's it's kind of well known is that there's a drive for eyeballs basically that's what's driving the the revenue streams of of most um, media companies not just newspapers and do you find that that you have to write not salacious stuff but I suppose it has to be interesting yeah, first and you foremost put, the, put the interesting thing towards the top I suppose and you might pull the maybe the pull quote like something that you see kind of written in bold big writing on the halfway across the page or even for the headline you think of what's the most interesting thing this person has said yes if I do if I wrote something on you and it's like oh um, Fran has a farm and blah 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 like like, sure who gives a fuck to be honest yeah of course but the line what was the headline you gave me or was it you that actually gave that or is it an editor that does that what was the oh Oh. something about uh, which your I mean boxes you put out a week or something. No, like no, it was the one that was printed on you was my I love the line actually. My facility it's just, it's is just there behind you in uh frames. <laughs> it is yeah, ten foot by ten foot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was it? My facility is closer to a surgeon's operating no, theatre than, than a the field. Fire, like, field. Yeah, that's a, that was a good quote actually. I yeah. remember seeing that and I was like it just made me smile because I I never thought that there'd be a I don't know even salacious is the right word, but I never thought that there'd be I suppose I, I knew that there'd be a catchy headline because there always there kind of has to be because mm. again as you say if it's not a catchy headline no one's going to read it but I just I never thought what it might be and then when I saw it, it just made me smile I was like ah oh, fuck of course and I was I was glad it was that and not something else that I might have said too <laughs> like you know um, yeah most people actually do when you talk when you get down to the nuts and bolts of what they do most people I think do have a an interesting um, story to tell like or could make a decent article of it Oh yeah, absolutely. And have you got much pushback from anyone that you've you've spoken to and then wrote about, and that they weren't particularly happy? Does that happen? No, or? it has to happen to me. One, I wrote one article about, um, and I got a bit of pushback from someone else. It's only happened once. Some fella said like, I wrote about someone doing contracting, and you know, someone from, it. and it, the headline was kind of changed a little bit, but it was basically people are. Um, it was a bit of farm, farmers in Carlow who were instead of getting silage contractors in people to cut their silage for them they teamed up and bought their own machinery okay. and the headline was cutting out the middleman which basically I thought that's what it was and then someone wrote me saying like oh you're trying to turn farmers and contractors against you and all that sort of stuff and blah 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 and, and he said you, I, was, I was quoting figures that they gave me how much cheaper they could do it and he was like oh that doesn't make sense how could you do it for this this blah 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 
and I was like, "What else did they do it for?" Like, yeah, why did why did you, like you know why did you buy the machine if you weren't you yeah. know cutting out someone along the way? But I, I suppose I can see where that person is coming from. They they're doing it to cut out the middleman, but they don't want to be seen to be cutting out the middleman. No, you know, they, like, they wrote it themselves. No, sorry, they. They, them, they themselves were okay with it, but it was someone else who was reading it who wasn't happy with it. Okay, right. They were delighted with it. Yeah, they, they, they didn't see anything wrong with it. There was nothing wrong with it, I don't think. And is there much in that? Like, I mean, for, for my article, I could imagine somebody who didn't know what vertical farming was or didn't know anything about it would see, you know, all the lights and all the energy that goes into it and go, oh, in this day and age, it's, you know, it's appalling that this stuff isn't growing in the sunshine. Hmm. Now, little do they know it's actually more environmentally friendly to do it the way I do it when you take air miles into consideration and uh, just the, between the, the freshness of the product getting to you because it's not being transported from afar. There's a, there's a whole host of reasons what makes that makes what I do environmentally more friendly than growing it in a glass house that you actually have to heat a lot more and all the rest of it. But could somebody, like, does it happen that people will write in to you, say, or your paper, giving out yards that you would, publicise vertical farming when you know the world is on fire basically like do people give out on other people's behalf or just give out generally is that something that you have to be kind of cognizant of again I have not too much of it and probably wouldn't come I wouldn't probably be dealing with Um. and who is there presumably there's somebody there that's full time job is dealing with complaints or queries or, or is there or what way does it work again, I really should notice but I don't but um <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't. Like you're, you're after saying something there, and I, I remember someone about something, someone giving out something stupid before, but I just can't remember all it is. Just probably doesn't translate great into into good listening for um people out there. But like, there is people people nitpicking about giving out about absolute bullshit. To be honest, um, like I remember giving an example of something different. I remember um looking up, like in college, looking up um different advertising campaigns or something and there was an ad about I can't remember what it was for but it was basically this little girl um this this is man and woman meet come to get or whatever they keep it's Vodafone or something like that but they um man and woman and they they were starting going out but she had a child already and okay. it shows the, the new boyfriend bonding with the child and then like put him to bed and towards the end of the ad he goes oh night dad or whatever and he's like oh i'm your dad whatever you, th- you think i'm your dad or whatever and then i remember looking up um there was loads of complaints made about like saying oh this is given unfair to separate fathers out there and blah 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 and all this sort of stuff so there is people with little to be at who will find a hole in anything and complain about it yes of course that's a very long-winded way of what i was trying to say there. <laughs> it um, hasn't come across you your no, desk yet anyway. yes but um and the, in the people that you've spoken to, and just with your general understanding of Irish agriculture, is there, is it headed a certain way? Like presumably it all has to be environmentally friendly, it has to be profitable for a start, less subsidies and all the rest of it. But is there an area that's doing better than than others? Like is are exports up or is it, are, is import substitution a big thing? Or what's what are the driving forces in agriculture generally? Yeah, it's kind of up in the air at the moment. Um... Like there's a trade war going on with, um, America. There's a, you know, America between the EU and America. The kind of things aren't going great there at the minute. My understanding of that is exactly how you said it. Things aren't going great, but I mean that's the limit of my yeah, knowledge. Yeah, it's, it's probably the same. Same with me, but. But what does it mean for like the the farmers here? That 
probably it's um yeah so yeah so it probably mean if prices are going to be impacted like to, to see there's so many going on that there's a trade war with a trade war but when um the ukraine and um russia went to war back in 2014 was, jesus was that 2014, 2014 yeah. hell. there was sanctions russia but uh, the eu put sanctions on russia russia said okay we'll <laughs> this work two ways so they did the same so that affected the price of irish milk was beginning to ex- going to irish agri was going to begin to look into russia more of the next one markets that put the, the shutters down on that yes then there's the even though i, I don't know a massive amount about this, but I was talking to um this fella who um ex- a wool merchant who basically collects wool off sheep farmers to sell he buys wool off farmers, and he said that the um the price for that has fallen to the floor. I think they might get ten cent a kilo for wool, and it was like five years ago it was one fifty a kilo. Fuck right. And he said that the American and Chinese trade war has a massive effect on it. On the price of wool, yeah, or okay, on, on, on Irish farming generally. Or, like. Let me. I think he's more talk about wool, but he kind of did say that he he's of the opinion that um that you know that it's a as a effect on Irish agriculture in general. Yeah, it's mad how you know China gets pissed off with the the US for whatever reason, and the sheep industry in Ireland is affected by it. Like it's. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have Brexit, then you have. Um, How will that affect Ireland? Oh, it's in from the agricultural in general side of things. Like, oh, sure. it's our number one export um, location. You know, like I don't, I forget, I forget the figures, but there's a serious amount of in beef, dairy, every industry. It's so much of it goes to the UK. Of course, it's, yeah. We people forget in Ireland we're such a small population. Like there's what four odd million of us. And yeah, we're we're self sufficient for so much. Like yes. Um, like so, like I don't know how many billion liters of milk we produce every year, but like far more than um we need to like the export UK, like certain industry, certain like cheddar, like um cheddar cheese, like they're one of the only other countries in the world that consume cheddar. Do you care? I think so. Yeah. So. Well, most countries don't consume cheddar. Not is that what you're saying? Or? I think so. I think it's they're one of the only one of the biggest countries are consumers of Irish cheddar anyway. Right. They may, they might have cheese in other forms, but I think yeah, yeah. the UK is one of the biggest in being America as well. And but like you know, if you're in France, you might have I don't know, Edam or whatever. Edam I know what you mean. Yeah, whatever. It's funny because I, I believe three quarters of all mushrooms that are grown in Ireland go into the UK as well. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Um and. A lot of them are in around border counties in um mushroom farms and and I remember someone saying that when Brexit hit like mushroom farmers took a massive hit yeah almost, well, almost instantly this uh, this where I'm based out of here was a, a mushroom farm once upon a time and now a lot it's gone this this twenty years like but I believe uh, Monaghan mushrooms came in and basically they just modernized what all the small independent growers scattered throughout the country. Uh, we're doing and basically blew them out of the water so it's been great for me in a in a, in a roundabout way because it gave me a premises yeah. a premises like and they're they're controlled growing environments that's a, that's what they were purpose-built controlled growing environments so to have six of them down the road from my house was fucking brilliant <laughs> like you know one man's waste is another man's wealth and all that jazz um in relation to the journalism and the work then so 
you you have an interest in sport, did you say, but you're not arsed or that pushed because it's so... Mostly I'm not arsed. Like I, I did small bits and pieces like kind of submitting articles to different websites when I first started off. But um, from what I gather, it's a very saturated, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot more, a lot more people want to work in sports journalism, should I say. Okay. Then every, every young man who does journalism wants to get into what they're interested in, I suppose, yeah, which, which is sport. sport for the most part, or yeah. for a lot of people. Like, who doesn't want to write about Jurgen Klopp or Liverpool or whatever? Like, yes. There's, there's probably, like, there's, um, like, certain, like, I, I was talking to just someone randomly in the street, or they're in a coffee shop a while ago, and they're like, oh, my young dad wants to get into journalism and, you know, sports journalism, and, you know, I think I'm kind of trying to steer him towards something a bit more solid than that stuff. And the, the typical parent. <laughs> yeah, and it's probably right to a certain extent. Like, and if, you, if, if if people want to do it, they definitely can do it. But I, I reckon it's a lot harder than it once was. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So in journalism, then aside from writing for papers, I mean, investigative journalism is that any is that of interest to you, or is that something that you do, or is yeah, that a different thing? It's or a, yeah, one or two like, things that I'm. Um, ideas for investigative stuff at the minute but I haven't really explored them too much without giving them the specifics away can you tell me broadly about them or, or would that be giving away too much Um, probably would Um, I suppose you kind of have to kind of just look at a an, something look at an area and kind of find a kind of a chink not a chinkiness but let's say if um. I don't know. You have to kind of be cute, be clever about it. Like, um, let's say if there was, I trying to think as an example here. Let's say I don't know social welfare payments or something. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, how come? Where's all this money going? And yeah, if you, of, if you uh, notice something, say yeah. Yeah, to notice something and kind of like and kind of speak to the right people and. Like you have to kind of prepare to go up a lot of blind alleys and different things I'd imagine and prepare to retreat and kind of come back with your tail between your legs I suppose but there is different I suppose it's a skill it's a skill to be able to, to more so about quite you have to be able to write it down but you have to be able to have something to write down and again from talking to the right people and like it's not something I really I don't have a lot of experience in at the minute but yeah yeah and from so you're part of the the farming uh, end of things if you were to have an interest or to find a fucking scoop or whatever it was and write about something else can you bring that to your editor or are you do you have your your pigeonhole and oh, no, stick she, in it like um, that very much open to if you have a you know the bulletin they'll come if you have a let, let us we'll, we'll take it you know that type of thing yes yeah of course yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Again, outside of writing and journalism, like so, you could obviously progress to being an editor, but I'm out of that loop entirely. So, is is there other avenues that you can go down, or do you know, it's like yeah, I suppose you can work your way up in the organisation, suppose. Um, and would that appeal to you, or would um, you be happier to move around, or what? What kind of flows? I, I, your I'm, just kind of, I'm just in the door to me, so I'm just kind of happy with <laughs> finding my feet, my own role. Um, like you do hear of different people um going on to become publishers and they like kind of stakes in the company and moving up through the away from the day to day of being journalists to kind of more senior management positions. Okay, yeah. Um, 
And your course in journalism, did that cover any of that? No, I don't think that's that was just strictly journalism. Yeah. Okay. Um No, like the course in journalism was it was good um to a certain extent, but there was a lot of it was like my undergrad, a lot of bullshit in it. Right. Yeah, it didn't really prepare you say for no, the, not for at the all. role. Like, I think most most degrees are kind of similar though, are they? Yeah. In that kind of sense. Yeah, like we've probably talked about talked about it earlier, but um probably not winning any friends here in that college. Um the <laughs> un- that, that unnamed college. <laughs> um like a lot of it I remember doing a thing on how to you know, writing for print and kind of wasn't even writing for print like page layout and I forget what it was called and you know, kind of basically had to make a magazine and like do the layout and all that sort of stuff and the headline and the pictures and all that stuff. Probably the place for us but probably should be steering you towards more of a digital side of things more so than that and learning different skills as opposed to you know, how to lay out a, a newspaper. Yeah. And have you much interest at all in, in your own publications it? Or do like doing your own thing, your own podcast or YouTube channel or whatever it is? Um, not at the minute. Like, look, if somebody wants to go down that route, fair play to them. Um, and they can make success of them, fair play to them. But I think you know, at the minute, just kind of focus on something. I you know, it's a writing for a recognised newspaper and something a bit more substantial. Not oh substantial, yeah. But like, and then again, like I don't know, like you see, it's a kind of <laughs> it, some of this. You know, this TikToks generation is, is you know, like I know it's an old man saying call it the TikTok generation. An old man, man, I don't even know what TikTok is. Yeah, I've only genuinely like, oh, if like, am I explaining to you now? Like, it's like a video sharing platform, basically, right? Do you know Instagram, um, yes, yeah, just about, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's kind of it's the same kind of idea. Um, is it the is it Kind of short video clips as short video to pictures. Clips. Yeah, short so Instagram would be pictures. And Most then... of pictures, but the odd video, but thing it'd be the other way around. Right. Like um, the way, like these days, I don't know what people are what what drives someone to <laughs> if you can make like to try and create try and sensationalize themselves and turn themselves into it. Like, like everybody wants to be their own brand these days yes on social media and it drives me bananas <laughs> <You know? laughs> what about it drives you bananas I know like, if, like if I put a picture up on Instagram today of and it was the first time I did in months of um, we we're just doing the kitchen up at home and I put a picture of the fridge being emptied out and um, said oh the fridge is broken or get a new fridge have to eat everything in the fridge or something like just having a laugh at myself yeah but if you like but if you about to scroll through Instagram now, you'd see at least the first twenty posts you came across. I say twenty of them will be someone standing on a cliff in Galway or Kerry, looking out, pretend to be posing out, looking out into the sea, all thoughtful and all sort of stuff. <laughs> You're on your holidays, so what? <laughs> it drives me absolutely bananas. Like this, like everybody's trying to prom- like. With with some sort of a witty caption underneath. Oh, of course, yeah. Well, the no, absolutely. Nine tenths of the law, like you know, but it's maybe I'm not getting this across right. But you know, every, I think every, the whole. I think as I saw a quote there. Was it the whole world is a stage, but few actually play? I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. No, again, you've, you're paraphrasing it, but the sentiment is there, like. Yeah. And that's a. I think that's a huge fucking problem at the minute. Is people are. 
it's it's a lot of kind of pretense again it's you're putting this persona of yourself online which i think puts a lot of pressure on people to especially girls young girls to kind of look a certain way and be a certain way and to to do a certain thing and i think in my generation coming up you just had you know the lads in your class and your brothers and sisters at home and that was and you know football or whatever else you, you got to be i don't know you got to be a bit normal mm. if that makes sense but i think these days it's it's obviously a lot different. There's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more... Because I remember even when Bebo came around, there was how many hearts or likes your page had. And uh, you might be proud of your 50 or 100 or whatever it is or was, but it's always in comparison to what everybody else has. Yeah. So there's the real comparative thing, you know, how many friends you have, how many likes you have. And it's funny, I'd like to think that I'm above all that, but don't post a whole pile on social media, especially not anymore. But when I put this live, I will be checking how many fucking likes it gets and how many shares it gets. And it, it, I have a habit of obsessing over these things. It's like a currency, but it can... It is. It's 100% a currency. It doesn't get you anywhere. Yes. Yes. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's actually a great way of looking at it. A, 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 a currency with no value. Like, yeah. Like, That's exactly a, what it is. Kind like, of a contradiction in terms. Like, like you may, I may as well be, you know, guess... If this gets a hundred likes, it may as well get a hundred beans. Do you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> it really means nothing. Like it's great to see that somebody, if we do something and someone, someone likes us, you know, especially when you know it's a podcast, it's a some some people to listen to, it, or it's a piece of writing, or it's if you paint a picture, or if you, what do whatever, or you're singing, mm. that's cool. Do you know? It could go, she goes somewhere, but like, if it's you know a picture of you and your holidays. Yeah, every, what's, every, what's to be taken from yeah, it? Yeah, everybody's like. gone on their holidays, do you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Do you know, what, what, what's, like, it's, it's, it's so samey, like, 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 there's so, it's just, Instagram is just one big, I don't know, wannabe trial photo shoot, but you're not, you're on trial against yourself, I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Like, you can see how, you, I don't know, you can just see how toxic it can be or how it could become or how, because people do obsess over it, like, you know, you, you are, people identify with their, with their Instagram page, do you know that kind of way? Mm. So if their if their pages aren't get or if their posts aren't getting likes or shares or comments, it it fucking it genuinely hurts people. Like and these things are built from the ground up to make you addicted to them, basically. Yeah, and it, there's no like you, you spend a few minutes scrolling through Instagram. Like, geez, it could be reading the book here or something. It could be doing something more useful here. It's really it doesn't really serve much of a purpose to be honest. Like you know this whole thing of when social media was first launched it brought launched it was like this whole thing that you know it's a good way of communicating and bringing yeah, people together be connected and all and that sort of stuff but like it's still what what do you gain from like i still talk to this same people like i don't the same people i talk to on social media i talk on the phone or I talk to in person yeah you know, it's it's you know, if a friend across the world you know it's you can i don't know send them pictures of your I know I don't have any kids, but like you've two kids. If you, if, I'm sure you have friends living abroad. You can. Send, oh yeah, without a doubt, yeah. Or you can yeah. send pictures of your kids. Whatever, it's good for that sense. But like, apart apart from that, like, just I don't think really it serves much of a purpose. Brand promotion, paid partnership between different people. Like, go on TikTok and it's just people, a lot of videos of people um, lip syncing, like a comedian or something, or okay. people like um doing little bits funny bit like so-called funny bits and like you know some they'd be playing different characters in their own little play and all this sort of stuff trying to create a little brand for themselves but like 
there's they're ten a penny like you know my sister be like oh she's sure, twenty thousand followers yeah and what's, what's that do and. from and <laughs> you know uh, do you use much of it uh, social media generally like are you on Twitter do you have to be as part of your job do you need is no, there I any don't, element to that there is not a massive amount of it no some some companies I think I'm, I've, I've heard some companies encouraging people to you know promote their own stuff on Twitter and all that sort of stuff yes like um, I go on like I said on Instagram put a picture of myself and like it, it was a line from Friends the picture of Joey from Friends after you know after eating everything in his fridge because it was broken you know yeah I, yeah and it was kind of more taking the piss out of myself more than nothing else and, you know, yes. so, so you kind of do maybe that's me building my own brand i don't know um yeah it's a weird one like i don't don't take myself too seriously honest and if you uh, how liable are you as a writer for the independence for what you post online um like if, if you if you, I'm probably you know, using a contract which i didn't really look at just <laughs> like um, most contracts yeah um, like I'm not going to like people always say you know all well, views are my own blah 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 yes my own opinion blah blah but like you hear of the different people over the years saying inflammatory things like criticizing like I don't know yeah, whoever for whatever whoever like. or like different minority groups or whatever and I've really come back to bite them in the arse yeah didn't wasn't was it Kevin Hart the comedian who missed out on hosting the Oscars something he said 10 years ago or something yeah, that's the ago. scary thing now like I mean uh, you know if you're you're not going to get fired or you're not going to get deplatformed or cancelled or fined or sued or whatever else it's not necessarily what you've just said it's anything that you could possibly have said over the last God knows amount oh, how yeah, many like, years in, when I was in college um, you, you were saying that you um, grew up and it was just the lads and football team or whatever mm. I was the same to l- Facebook kind of came on the scene, the mainstream, I suppose. What age are you now? Sorry, I am twenty-seven. Okay, so I'm I've nine years on you. It's just to kind of get it straight in my own head. Um, That's fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Facebook. I did my team around two thousand eleven. In two thousand eleven, yeah. So it kind of came on the mainstream around. Let's say around Bebo and that around two thousand seven, two thousand eight. But it wasn't. We didn't have phones. Smartphone. Yes. So it was you had to go on a computer. Yes. Or a laptop, or whatever. Which made a huge difference. Yeah. Like so it you, wasn't the instant access to it. Yes. And you didn't bring it to bed with you. You didn't have it on the toilet. You know, it wasn't yeah, so th- perpetually attached. We to hadn't, it. I hadn't just got into that, that habit, or whatever. Look, checking it the whole time. Yes. So um, I'm glad of that actually because I, like, um, I, I can't imagine trying to do leaving certain now like. Maybe because like, I'm older, I think my concentration is gone. But like, geez, the way back then, I would have, I don't know, would have ruined me. But yeah, um, and then when we were in college, like God knows what, like lads, you said you leave because it wasn't used to it. You leave the laptop open, and <laughs> yes, guys, even saying that you left the laptop open like that, oh, that, that was a dangerous thing to, at a point. Now not so much. Because... Yeah, oh, Jesus, like <laughs> the, you'd be hung. Oh, the people that were. I'm starting to who was out there who was offended. Like, <laughs> Jesus, some of the stuff that was said was dark. Like, <laughs> like really, like, really, really and truly. And then pe- after a while, people just stopped paying attention to me on um, social media because like, that's not him. Like, even if you remember, I was doing like a local fundraiser for the J Club and I was trying to sell someone tickets online. Like, like oh, I'm doing a, a lip sync thing or whatever it was for the J Club. I'd be interested in buying tickets. And she was like, because 
he's like, oh, she, she, you want to go back? And he's like, I'm not sure if this is you or not. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, though, because, yeah. you know, who fucking knows? It's on your page. Who else could it be? Like, yeah. I kind of um, one thing I'm glad about social media being a relatively new thing is I feel like I've grown up with a childhood. Do you know the kind of way I think? Mm. And I, again, I guess... It's all like, wholesome. Look back at how wholesome it was. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, growing up is fucking tough enough. I just, like, I don't see the upside for a, you know, young teenager having social media, really, because it's not as if they have friends the other side of the country. It's not as if, you know... Mm. They have kids, or they have their fr- you know their their friends of yeah, kids. Like, you're, you know, kind of way. You're in that age, whatever age you have kids, your friends are in your locality, like you know, like and I remember my little sister, um, was in her friend's house, and she's who my sister was in her friend's house, and her friend has younger siblings again, who um, she they walk along, and you can be, this podcast would just really transform across, but. They were doing kind of little dance or something as they yeah. were walking, and it was and, a nice move, by the way. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of flapped my arms like a chicken here, but that, that, and um, and uh, she was like, "That's a TikTok dance, right?" But she was doing it nearly involuntary. She was you know waiting for the kettle to boil or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. She just here doing this little kind of these movements, and she was like, and my sister was like, "It's so ingrained in like this, that's what people do in TikTok. They put up that synchronized dances and different things, right?" And it was so ingrained in her from looking at it, she was just doing it without thinking. Yes. She was waiting for something. She was just kind of doing, doing the kind of uh, trying to copy whatever. And that, I, you know, like we, the kids did that when we were, we were, they were our age. You know, you copied Britney Spears or mm. I don't know who you copied. Um, wasn't like Britney Spears. Jackson 5. <laughs> when you were young. Fuck you again. <laughs> yeah. um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. But, like, yeah. but it's so embedded in them that it's kind of scary though isn't it yeah. like that that level of embeddedness from a you know huge big corporation because i mean kids don't get that tiktok is a business mm. do you know the kind of way they don't they don't understand that you know there there are shareholders and the the ceos the ceo of of the the corporation has literally a legal obligation to make the business profitable mm. and all, you know from the top down it's basically just rotten to the core and the kids just see the fucking the cool videos, the funny, funny dance and all that sort you know? of stuff. Yeah, like it'll be interesting to see how many people's TikToks now in twenty years' time will get them fucking sacked from their position as whatever in the future. Do you yeah. know, like I know for this podcast. Will... <laughs> yeah, could be, could be. Um... <laughs> I'll do you for ages. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it will be. It'll be. Um... God knows what's, what we've created. Do you know, like you said, we had a childhood. These people who, do you know, they're still kids. What are they going to grow up to? Be like, I don't know if this whole thing of this was teenage anxiety and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's probably always was a thing. And maybe we're just kind of people are saying it's coming more and more of an issue. Maybe just more 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 aware of it. Like a lot of things. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's going to lend itself to more of a thing down the road. What's the long term effect on people going to be? Oh, without a doubt. Like, what's the? But aside from the nefarious um, movements of different social media platforms, literally just staring at a screen, do you know, like kind of way, and mm. being on it so often and needing it. You know, when you pull out your phone, you need something to grab you. This idea, the the, the attention span, like it, it needs to be, it needs to hit you, it needs to click in your brain, and these things are all designed to grab your attention. Um, 
what's the the downside of that never mind the anxiety inducing likes or shares or comments or, or whatever it is like we just don't know we're kind of playing with fire and that's fair enough if you're playing it with yourself but it's when your kids are playing with it do you let them play with it like at what age does a kid have what at what age does a kid need to get a phone not need to get a phone but what age is it appropriate to give them a phone and to give them internet access and and all the rest of it like we've no there's no data to show because it's all so new we don't have a 20-year study on how this kind of stuff affects affects us like you know it's a it's a strange one yeah, cause I remember getting a phone because again, I'm triplets. So we got a phone for what's what's an a thirteenth birthday actually. Can you remember, I remember the thirteenth birthday. We got our phone between wooden phone between three of us, and it wasn't a smartphone obviously back then. Yes. And then you hear of kids getting smartphones now for their communion or. Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I think I got my first smartphone. I was twenty one. I was behind the curve, like way well behind it. Yeah. And you know, I've still obviously find the urge to reach to my pocket every 30 seconds to look at it sometimes but like if that was when I was 21 not when my like I mean 21 your brain is probably developed this is me talking pure no it's, it's, lad it's, science, it's like yeah but, clue, it's, but it's it's certainly more developed than it was when you were 13 mm. without shadow, shadow um, of doubt or like. even 7 or 6 or oh yeah without a doubt yeah. get them now so but it, it's weird though as well because uh my two kids are five and two sorry six and two if you want to kill me if you heard me saying that he was five six and two and uh, at the end of was it uh he's in junior infants he'll be going into senior infants now but was it after christmas we had a t- uh what you call it the the teacher's report what the fuck is that called your parent teacher meeting mm. so we had a parent teacher meeting and we're lucky because he's a really smart kid and he's really sociable and he, he's great he's 100 percent um, but we asked the teacher if there was anything that we could, you know, is there anything that we can do more? Or is he is he lacking in any kind of area? And she was said that he gets very frustrated when they bring out the tablets because Fionn doesn't like, he doesn't like not being good at something. He, 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 he needs to kind of understand stuff and get stuff. And if he doesn't, he kind of gets frustrated, which is kind of fair enough. But she was saying that when the tablets come out, he tends to get a bit frustrated because all the other kids have tablets at home and they're flicking through them and it's it's mm. normal. But we thought we were being, you know, good parents by, you know, he doesn't have a fucking tablet. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. He doesn't have access to one. He doesn't get access to our phones. You know, we, we put the odd video on him, on them and he can use them, but he's not on them day and night. But it's funny because in the world that we live in, he needs to be able to use these things. Do you know that kind of way? In a, in a weird kind of a way. Like. Yeah, so you think you're protecting him from not having it? Yeah, but... And, and you, and you are, mm. but then he's falling behind in school because they're using these fucking things to to teach and to um to do the whole schooling thing. Like so, it's it's hard to know. It's hard to know what you're doing right at the best of times. Like do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, especially you can imagine being a parent. You probably have all these great ideas. And <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I was chatting to a friend of mine recently. He was talking about homeschooling uh, the kids that he doesn't have yet. And oh God. <laughs> I like the idea. I love the idea of homeschooling my kids. But it's just the kind of the realities of it then. Now, not to say that people don't homeschool their kids and, and make a, a great job of it, but you're very much so going against the grain. And when you go against the grain, you're, you're kind of causing problems for yourself. And that's that kind of works both ways because by us not giving Fionn the tablet, we're kind of going against the grain a bit, but you can see how that kind of backfired. Not backfired, but it's just it's impossible to know what's fucking right or wrong. Do you know that kind of way? Because at least like if if we were having this conversation fifty years ago, 
you could get advice from your dad and your granddad and your uncle and your auntie and all these people who've had kids and brought them up. Mm. But I mean, what am I going to ask my mom about raising a kid in the With social media world? Like, do you know what I know? Yeah. Um, it's also new, so we're, you're making it up as you go along. Like, I know it's a, it's a strange There's one. There's no, yeah, later paths, really. You can just talk to other parents and still, you're only talking to parents who've, m- might you work for their kid, won't work for yours. Oh, absolutely, But then, yeah. I suppose it was 50 years ago, okay, different things work for different people, but you can obviously, there's a lot more people, to, more examples to work off, you get me? Oh, yeah, no, 100%, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, oh, look, it's a, it's a minefield, but um, you've no kids around like that, do you? Or no. none, none that you're admitting to anyone? No, no, no. <laughs> any, pla- like, not any plans, immediate plans, but would you consider yourself a family man? Would you like to go down that road or um, put much or any thought into it? Not really. Um, like kids, get along kids. Yeah, um, yeah. Kids seem to like me for some reason. <laughs> see me as one of their, as they always say, they see me as one of their own. Um but no, that's, that's something to put a massive amount of thought into now, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's fair enough. Like, I mean, most people don't until they're in a fucking relationship for a long time or that. Like, what do you think kids, like you say, you kind of reference yourself there as being one of them. Yeah. What What is that? I don't know. It's just a joke, but I don't know. Sometimes I remember um, my s- sister, um, my sister's music teacher used to come to the house and she, she'd run the village. We kind of knew her and she'd small children. And for some reason, they all took a shine into me. Or was so um I don't know and it, just, it seems to be a thing that my little cousin seems loved me as well and I don't know what it was yeah because you mentioned dabbling with the idea of being a teacher earlier did you or did you yeah it's something my mother I'm just gonna grab that mic again one oh sorry no you're alright it's just falling down a um yeah the, my mother always says um it was um oh you're you're great with kids like something you could um. You should be, you look in. You should be, you should be a teacher like something. Before you're into journalism, it's like something you should you look into. It's not something. Um, I suppose it's another couple of years more in college that I'd have to do that I wasn't really prepared to do. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So with journalism, sure, anyone can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think like what? What do you think makes you a good journalist, or like, what separates you from most people, or what? Because interviewing people is probably a big part of your job. It have to be. How do you find being on the other side of the, yeah, the table, say? Like some of it, I kind of was a bit, un- I won't say, un- like I said earlier, like I was a bit uncomfortable. Um, you're kind of more hyper aware of what you're saying and you're concentrating what you're saying and you're hyper aware. And then, um, even though you said not to be look, not to mind you looking at the screen, you look at the screen, it's like, oh, Jesus, what's he doing? So you kind <laughs> of, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't, yeah, it's, um, question what it's like to be a good journalist um I, I don't know um i just i find being able to talk to people able to talk to people um like my boss we, we did a review a while ago and she was like um well you're good at talking to us like people in the office like me her and a other fella in the office and the team um and you've never met us um so we kind of see that as you've a good rapport with us so I kind of see this if you go to us you're going to be good to talk to people on the phone like, like when I ring when I ring someone up that's I, when I rang you up I didn't say well Fran how's the how's the business going Do you, know, you don't do yes. that like, you yes it's kind of the first rule any many interviews you don't ring up straight away and dive head first into it you kind of have to talk around it and talk with the weather and to have a chat with someone first like yes very much so yeah and was that taught in, in journalism um 
don't think so, no. Yeah, I could see how it wouldn't be like. No, not really. Um, no more than it would be in business. I mean, a huge part of business is being able to pick up the phone and being able to arrange meetings and going and talking to people. Now, not that I've done a business degree, but I'd imagine there isn't too much training in, you know, striking up a conversation and actually getting to what you're you're looking to, to get at. Like It's a skill in itself, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not something, again, it's something, something you're taught and it's probably something you have. A lot of people have anybody can talk, but on the phone, like, but um, anybody can have a conversation with someone, but just to, to know how to do it in a certain manner and recognize different personalities and how to say break them down, but just how to get get inside with them, basically. Yeah, because I think everybody comes into a conversation with a certain fence up in front mm. of them. Do you know that kind of way? You you don't unless you wear your heart in your sleeve. But I think most people most people don't. Do you find that people are a bit um? concerned or worried about talking to a journalist like you know that the a that they might be afraid that they'll come across stupid or say something that they didn't mean or b that you would nefariously twist what it was that they had said do you find any kind of backlash no, like that some people some people um ask to read what they've written what you've written about them okay before it gets published, it's published and we've to give of, you the go ahead yeah you, and you kind of stop that because um i steer away from, at the start I was like oh yeah whatever you want and of then, course yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but now um, we used to even mention to people at times like oh if you can read back or you want but now we just don't because we found that we're just um, it's a we because it's, kind of it's kind of a team policy that we don't do it anymore because um, you, you end up they end up rewriting what they said yes even what they said it yeah, they, they, they yeah, yeah. Written there and say, I don't like that. Yes, and it kind of it can cause a lot of a lot, a lot, a lot of extra work into it. You know, um, I suppose you have a good ju- journalism as well. Not that it's journalism is kind of more writing. But there's a difference, kind of. Um, that like my sister always says that oh you have a great way way with words, writing them down. I kind of I consider myself more of a better written communicator than a, a verbal communicator. Yeah. Um. So like just a bit, just putting thing, things down on a page in a coherent manner. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not something I ever really thought about, and it wasn't something I was ever really um thought about or taught. Yes, it's just something to kind of just oh, just pick it up and hear what someone says and just kind of throw it together and scramble it and make sense. You know. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's a skill in itself being able to pick up the phone, ring somebody, organize a meeting, and either go out and meet them or have the. The, the the interview over the phone like let's say like ours was um i suppose for myself i had a, a sales background before i started doing any of this so i was on the road and i did tele sales and i did a bit of a bit of everything and you're you're forced into that position of you know not small talk but just making conversation like it's a, it's an art in itself and it can be it can be tricky depending on who you're talking to and especially from a sales perspective like you're trying to sell somebody something and like what you said there a minute ago you don't walk in and go well how are you getting on my name's Fran what do you think of this do you want to buy it mm. do you know, like, kind of way. but one thing that I've noticed over the years is I get a little too good in a sense of getting the conversation where I want it to be to the point that you know it's are you being too, manipulative yeah well, you could say it's too um, formless of do you reckon if you stick to the same formula, you're kind of missing out in other areas? Or? No, because I, I, I nev- there was never so much a formula. A such. formula, it was just, but you have a set 
a, a knack, I suppose. Routine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you, you do, it's like anything, you, you do it often enough, you just, you get better at it, whether that's talking to people or beating yourself up in your head with negative thoughts or whatever it is. But the, the more you do something, the better you get at it, regardless of what the outcome is for you. Like if, if you're in the habit of not saying anything to people and putting your head down and just, you know, not talking to people, you get better at that. Do you know that kind of way? Like mm. you get better at being a bad communicator, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's, yes, so it's, the more of what you do, I suppose, is the yeah. So if you kind of if you train well or if you, you play well, I suppose you know. Oh yeah, no, so without a doubt. But if you train poorly, you'll you need to you play poorly. So it's that type of yeah, no, hundred percent. And with you, have you noticed a change in yourself from let's say the first week of phone calls and conversation that you've made to your most recent week? Have you settled into the position at all, or? Yeah, one thing I notice is um, because when I generally record people, yes, and my very first interview for the Independent I did with me footballer um, called Paul Carnan. Don't know if you know him. No, um, no, he's, he's, clue. He's, he's football for me, and he's a farmer. How you apologize if you listen to this? <laughs> um, but I found when I was I recorded him and I would listen back, transcribe it. I found I was. Um, Cutting across him, he was giving an answer, and then I trying to talk about football or farm or whatever, and then I say, I try and go, oh, like this or like that, or do you ever talk about a certain game? And I said, oh, I kind of correct them, not correct them, but just kind of give my own two cents in. And after a while, I realized it's not about my two cents here; it's yes. what he is to say. So if well, I say, just let people talk until there's almost uh, let them say what they have to say. And obviously, if somebody's going completely off topic, you kind of steer them back in. Of course, yeah, yeah. But it's, let, you're better off, you're not going to get anything new by you cutting across, not unless you, something needs to be questioned. Yes. Do you know what I mean? To just let someone talk, let them exhaust themselves almost. And it might take a bit, little bit longer to um, go back through it, but you'll find more information. Yeah, no, no, I'd, I'd well believe it. The first time I noticed that was when I was shadowing an old boss of mine, and he'd go. So he gave me five counties to cover, but before I went out and started meeting all these people, he brought me around the mall one by one. I just shadowed him for a fortnight or whatever length of time mm. it took to get around the mall, and he used to do this thing, and it used to drive me nuts. He'd be chatting away to the customer, and I was just kind of standing there smiling and nodding. And they'd be chatting away and he'd say something and the other person would say something. And then there'd be a bit of a, a silence or a bit of an awkward silence. And I'm standing there going, oh, my God, somebody say something quick. Fucking hell. Oh, my God, this is terrible. This is, oh, Jesus. Ah. And just the longer the silence went, I was just going, oh, no, 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 no. But invariably, the customer would turn around. Like we'd be going through the brochure, say, or whatever. And then there'd be this silence. And my boss, had he knew that... The person is they're just collecting their thoughts a lot of the time and what would often happen is the customer would turn around and go oh and how much is this or how does this work again and once they start asking you questions about your product you kind of you kind of have them mm. in a kind of way but if that was me if if my boss hadn't have been there halfway through that awkward silence i would have started talking about the weather or the paint of the walls or something just to to break that but it's you know knowing when to shut the fuck up is as much of a, a skill as it is being able to talk to people yeah they say the first person to talk loses in certain situations like that especially when you're with a client like that do you know when you're negotiating something let's say they might be looking at their catalogue there but if they're negotiating something if you interrupt them 
whatever then if you talk first a bit the weather then you could have easily messed up on the sale you know oh big time i've talked myself out of so many sales it's incredible yeah. i know from with the benefit of hindsight like you kind of look back and you're like fuck um you can, my fr- a friend of mine used to be a sales rep for um an animal um feed company right and he remember he was saying that one day he was <laughs> it's very funny he was um talking with a fella and he said he would within the when we were in a jeep got out of the jeep left his jacket in the jeep but he was just wearing a shirt and he said it was frozen he was absolutely frozen he said it was so and he said but your man started talking to him but he said if he and he said he was so cold he thought he was going to pass out <laughs> <laughs> but he said that if he went back and got the jacket the conversation was over and the sale was gone yes but he needed to keep talking yeah, yeah, just keep keep, keep the flow keep going, keep it going, keep yeah, going, keep yeah. Going. All he wanted was his fucking jacket. <laughs> and do you find that hard now to like when you're out meeting these people or talking to these over the phone? Do you find it hard to 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 keep the conversation going, or is that is that something that you've been working on, or is there any help from the independent? Like, do they do any kind of in-house training as to no, how to go about your job, basically? No, no, I haven't got any in-house training. Boss always says like, just ask, 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 like, or ask her if you've any questions, if you have any queries, need help with anything. Let us know, or if you interview someone and you don't know what to do with it, or you know what that was about, just ring me. And we'll we'll discuss it and we'll see what we can do with it. Yeah. But um no, you kinda of just if someone's talked to you, you just kind of listen to what they're saying and build on it. A few times we've been caught daydreaming someone's going on about something and then it's just something. You zone out. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, and then you can just ask another generic question and you listen back to them and think, Oh, that was a good should have said this there if I was listening, but you kinda of just that happens to us, yeah. it's funny I never that's one thing now that you'd have over me is the ability to listen back to the conversation yeah, it's a great tool to you listen back to something to um, pick up your that's where I learned how to stop cutting across people yes because you, you saw that and or heard that in the recording that you, oh, shut, yeah. you should have shut the fuck up there mm. you should have maybe said something here or not changed the subject or whatever it is like Yes, or like yeah, emphasize that, or just that, that was a great line. Why do you not question them more on that? But I suppose it's all about learning experiences. Actually, it's, it's good that I, I probably still have so I know for a fact I still have so much more to learn. Like, but that was a great. T- I think that was a good thing to uh, pick up early on. Yeah, it's nice when you start off doing something. It's great to hear you say that that you've still so much to learn because I think so many people, you know, they're they're in their job whether it's a year or ten years or twenty, and they just they have it nailed. And for me, once you stop learning, you know, what's the fucking point? Do you know mm. that kind of way? But you at the start of your career, you've just everything in front of you. Do you know that kind of way? The fucking sky is the limit, really. Like, um, have you any other interests outside of the, the ag science, say, or, or journalism? I remember Pat, I actually plugged Pat. I, can try, I should have read the message. I sent Pat a message to say, Have you got anything that I need to know about this man before he comes on that I won't be shooting myself in the foot? And aside from your dark, did he say you had a dark sense of humour? And uh, <laughs> Jesus, yeah. the triplet thing, that was about the height of it. The dark sense of humour, has that gotten you into trouble or could it get you into trouble? Um, yeah, I suppose it. I, I don't really think of it as being a dark sense of humor, but other people have said otherwise. <laughs> people are like Jesus, like um, like I don't know. I just kind of don't really think. Sometimes I just say something, and you know, a lot of times people kind of um, uh, what do you call it? 
they, they, he just say that like <laughs> yeah but sometimes it's not until you hear that that you realize what you know you might have said you might you're just talking you're you haven't said anything abnormal and then the whole room goes silent and you're like what happened oh did i just cause this <laughs> yeah but it, it, i mean it sounds yeah that too but sometimes people um don't know how to react when you say something a bit like you talk to someone one on one and then they're, they're kind of Jesus, he'll say that and you kind of do it. They wasn't expecting that. They didn't know what to, what to do or say it when you, when, with what you've said, if you know. Yes. What I mean. And do you think, is that down to what you're saying or how easily offended people seem to be these days? Um, or probably a bit of both. Probably a bit of both. Because there's a lot of talk about this, like this idea of being triggered. Um, I d- doubt you come across a whole pile of it in. Um, the Farmer's Journal, or not the Farmer's Journal, but the, the Farming Independent. Mm. Is that a separate publication, actually, oh, or what yes, way does that work? completely separate publication, two different papers, yeah. Okay, because I wasn't even sure, because... Did I not... It's completely separate publication, but it's in... Like, when I went into the shop, I bought the Independent. Mm. And sorry, the my farmer, article was in it. Oh, sorry, the, farming, the Farmer's Journal farming and Journal Farming, farming Independent, independent are separate. Now I'm with you. The Irish Independent and the Farmer Independent... It's just a farming farming section of it's just the, the farm Irish. Se- yes, okay. And within that, is there like which is the biggest draw? So there's there's farming, the sport, like there's, what other ones are there? Business. You know? There's health. There's loads of them. And out of the the percentage of the paper, what would farming take up from it? Just to get an idea, because and it's thirty pages, so about thirty thirty two pages. And how many's in the paper? I'm gonna say. Actually, not not sure to be honest. I really should know. Um, sixty pages or something. I don't know. But it's only once a week, or only once a week. I'm with you now. So yeah, once a week. Out of the seven papers that are published every week, mm. one of those has the farmer. Yeah, choose this paper. Yeah. Yes, now I'm with you. But like, okay. there might be something's of note or something of interest. It'll be in the main paper. Like, um, some of the business people, the business section might have the results of a deal. Um. Gland beer, which is you know the um large milk that they pick large milk company yeah my words have failed me here that's <laughs> not even the right word like a Glanby or Kerry Group or whatever they might have because they're they're fairly big large organisations they'll have their AGM report or whatever in as well yes so. which is as much national news as it is you yeah, know the, like the farming like section AIB news or whatever or, you know any major developments like the um. The thing about the the, the, the farm and mints for agriculture and all that would be in, all over the main section of the paper, most of them the farm paper. And just on that, because that's obviously big in the news now, mm. uh, we've lost, is it two ministers for agriculture in the last fucking fortnight, a little yeah. bit more? Um, so who does that fall upon to write about? Because presumably you could have written extensively about that, but is there is there someone yeah, more, more senior the, than the, you? The political... I, I haven't touched it now, to be honest. Um, I've written about it. So I'm obviously keeping up to date with it and everything, but the um, the political writers, political correspondents, and my editor would be writing about it more so than me. Okay. And is there, a, again, I'm just taking this from popular culture, but is there, the farming journalists, are they, is there a, a clique? Is there a, like a, a type of person that does farming journalism and a type of person that does political journalism and a type of journalist do you know like in a way is there no, caricatures in each one or is it a mix of 
a mix of everything. Well, I don't. I haven't met too many of the other people, so it's of course to because, say. because of COVID. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but it's, people could flip between one and the other. I'd say, you know, obviously you need to know what you're talking about to a certain. But, um, like you see, different people have gone to become write for a local paper and then go into like general like I did I wrote for Me Chronicle which is a local paper right with general news around mead and now I'm looking at them going into the farming section and then like if I want I kind of I say if you know if I, like I said about sport like I might go into sports some stage I can go and write with sports so I'm sure not the only person done that you know yeah of course and with the independent you weren't in farming within the independent you were just across the board was it or Oh, not the independent, sorry, the Me Chronicle. Yeah, I was just across the board. Like, I did farm and stuff, obviously, but there was just general news. Like, And was there particular, like, when you say general news, and just for people listening, the Me Chronicle would be, what, it's a handful of counties, so it's, it's published in? Yeah, mostly Mead, but you might okay. get in South Cavan. And... Me Chronicle, obviously yeah. enough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what did you find yourself drawn to there? What were you writing about, like, um... generally? Well, I can't even remember. Um, see, it was only it's only even though it, was, it wasn't that long ago. It was very much in my infancy. Uh, yeah, you were only was it an intern. You were in there as or did yeah, you say? yeah, in an, an unpaid kind of thing at the start. Then I got started getting paid work. Then yeah, um, and I you know and I an experience. I'd say just kind of seeing the nuts and bolts of how these things are put together. Yeah. Or did you know a lot of it before you had started no, because of the degree? I didn't, didn't know anything. Um, I, I did the degree um, or the master's, the postgrad in journalism. I did, I started, when I started working in the, I started that first and then I started working, did the, the farmer's journal like a few weeks later. I did my course at night. Right. And then I went, went there and then the farmer's journal for a while and then I, um, that was in October 2017 and then I started with the Chronicle in around August 2018 okay but I was doing I did the course between 20 from 2017 to 2019 if you get me yes I know what you mean yeah yeah. so, so I was doing the, the my coursework and working for the two papers for the papers at the same time yes and did you you have some interest in sport do you or oh yeah be, uh, I, probably not as much as I did in the past maybe because I find sometimes I find it hard to um we don't have the Sky Sports channels on at home, and sometimes I'm kind of going doing things or whatever, so I mightn't always sit down and watch a full game or whatever. So I know what you mean, yeah. yeah but yeah. still, I still, I st- more so to the it, again, it's probably come back and bite me in the arse. But I um listen to more sports media than I do nearly watch the games, to be honest, even though I do keep a, an eye and try and keep an eye on everything that's going on. It's kind of it's funny though because there's. Originally, I think if you were into sports, you know, you, you watched games or mm. you played games. But there's a whole, especially more more and more these days, there's a whole drama that happens kind of around sport. Oh, between a complete narrative, different narrative, the whole narrative around sports is incredible. Like, you know, all this, the personalities involved and, you know, this manager against that manager. And yeah, it's like a soap opera, really, yeah, isn't oh, it, really it? A lot is. of it, like. Sometimes you wonder, are they told to kind of play up to their personalities more so than... I suppose some of them do. It's, that's all money in the bank these days. If you look at the likes of McGregor, he's probably the, the obvious example of it. Yeah, he's the... I don't think day-to-day he walks around with that iconic walk of his, like, yeah, that walk, kind of way. Walking down the yeah, stairs in the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, so it kind of... it's. 
in a, in a world where people are into the narrative more so nearly than the sport itself. Yeah, the narrative playing up to that. Days, it really yeah, is yeah. like. And do you have to work around that when you're writing? Like, it, like what what is it? What makes a good story? Like, does like because my very limited understanding of any kind of writing is that it needs to be narrative based. There has to be kind of a start, middle, and an end. Do you know the kind of way you have to guide the reader through? You have to bring the reader on a journey or so. I mean, is that your experience of it? Is that what you strive for, or is it just getting the facts on the page? Or um, I don't really have a. I probably I do kind of probably do have a formula, but I don't really kind of go out with. It's not something you kind of um. Take into mind is I wouldn't keep it have that in mind when I kind of go out to write something down. Like I wouldn't um. Let's say I just kind of some someone says something interesting and you try and put that towards the, the beginning, I suppose, and go from there to kind of get you, get the hook in, basically. Get the get hook the, in, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, and what that counts as that narrative, or is that just? Just I don't know, no. Yeah, it's just kind of getting the most interesting points across, I suppose. Yeah, get, yeah. Get what people want and kind of go from there, I suppose. And is that something that you were guided? With from your your boss? Oh, your boss can always say, "What's this story about?" and where they put that to start, you know. Okay. And is, like, what is she? Is she, or yeah, your boss is a, a she, mm. isn't, yeah. So, has she? Is she the? Is she the one? What am I trying to say? Is she over farming, or is she over the mall, or is she is over there, farming? Yeah. Okay, so how many of her is there? Roughly, even for me. Well, no, for well, how many of boss. her positions. So, if she she's just over farming, yeah. So is there one other person that's over sport? Well, it's head of sport, other... sport and business and all the different departments. Would have they all own. have their own. Yeah. Okay, and there are editors or editors, yeah. And below them, they have sub. So below an editor is a sub editor. No, a sub editor is um, like they they wouldn't be calling the shot. I can't be looking to say it, but they wouldn't be calling the shots. They wouldn't be the like the, the, the sub editor is not the deputy boss. It's yes, the, I know what you mean. The the title is a bit misleading, is yeah, it? Okay, yeah, that's what I thought as well. It's the editor is it's like they have a lot of say and they do, um, they kind of put the paper together, like yes, um, so like but from be, a formatting t- point of or from a formatting uh, perspective, as opposed to you know what we're talking about or how it comes yeah. across and and whatever else. And how long is she at it? I'm Roughly, not, or would you even know? You probably don't. Yeah, she's. Margaret is there. I think she's in the farm independent for. I think she did about four or five years. And did they move around? Oh, she worked for different publications. Yeah. Okay, but uh, always within farming, or would people no, typically stick within I, their lanes? So? Um, I think I'm not hundred percent sure. I think she worked. I'm actually not sure. Where she worked for a different um website, but farming news website for us. Right. And I'm not sure what she did before that. To be honest, but. I think she'd work predominantly in farming, but she probably could, like it's, we could move around to different sections. Yeah, of course she doesn't need a a degree in any kind of farming to do her job, basically. Mm. Yeah, but she degree in I think she's degree in journalism. I'm not one hundred percent sure. Right. Okay. Okay. No, it's just Sar- trying. Sorry, Margaret. I should know more about it than I do. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to get a, a better understanding of of how these yeah. kind of companies and organisations kind of operate. Like, do you know, like I know. So, are journalists at the bottom? Of the of the hierarchy, say within the organization, 
or how many journalists or like how many of you are there working for the independent would you have any idea like is it is it 50 is it 5,000 is I'd you know I'd say there's a, probably could be I'm not actually sure mm. again because you're not in the office or, really, or where sure. is the office the actually office in Street in Dublin okay and that's pretty much closed now is it yeah if, like I said I've been in for the interview and that's it fuck yeah it's gas in, I think the interview was in February right and can you work for a publication outside of Ireland given the you know the the global uh, if I wanted to I could, I'd say I could yeah but there was um, an Irish journalist Ewan McKenna was his name or is his name he's only still alive um, <laughs> uh, he lived in Brazil but used to write for the Irish in the um, sports section of he's a freelancer but he right. used to live in Brazil I think he was in Portugal now and but that's that's the beauty of, of yeah. f- freelancing, I suppose, that yeah. you can move around. And have you travelled, or have you any intention? Of, is it have you the travel bug, say, to to get around? Yeah, I mean, I'd hope to get around um, more so than I have at this stage. Right. Um. And now that I can't, I want even more. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. It's not that these things are taken away from yeah. you that you realise what you wanted them like. Yeah. So I don't. Can and then when the option comes available, which hopefully it will, I probably won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, come here, it's, that's one way the COVID has kind of affected you. Let's say if you wanted to get about to another country, you obviously can't the way you used to. But how has it affected you generally? Like, how, how have you coped with the whole thing? Because, you know, some people it's just nothing, other people it's the best or worst thing that ever happened to them. How has it affected you, you think, or how are you finding um, it? Yeah, the start, we were all hyper aware of it. Like, um, yes. Everybody was still. Terrified. Yeah, staying out of the wind because yeah. you might catch a bit of COVID. Like. Yeah, more or less. And then it kind of was kind of a like probably like the five stages of grief and to a certain extent, you know, every kind of went through different phases. Yeah, yeah, the whole kind of denial, acceptance, anger, all those. Like it's, it's probably my stages might be different, but like at the start, you were everybody was up in arms about it and terrified, and then kind of kind of calmed down a bit, and then people kind of there was a probably had because it was the height of summer and we had the heat wave which wasn't great for farmers but you know everybody was like you know like i suppose this is say everybody but come live in the countryside we probably had more advantages than people who were trapped in a you know it's a little t- tiny oh, apartment a two you know. bed apartment with your three kids and fingless or something yeah like, it'd be yeah. absolute disaster and um i really sympathise with people like they have great advantages over country people for a lot of things you know being close to the city or whatever but you know when you're when you're locked up for three, how many weeks or months in a row really climb the walls so like at the, so at the, the wild there it was almost like jeez this isn't so bad you know, yeah we're at home and we can go for a walk down the road and and were you in the home place or for for the lockdown yeah at home yeah okay okay how was that? Just being under your under the parents' wing. Oh yeah, I just lived there, so it's grand. Um, like there was, like I said, it was like the farm was. We've the farm just at the back of the house, so the dad was out there for a bit of a while. I was in doing my stuff on the computer or whatever. And yeah, you're not getting cabin fever in a house in the country with a big farm at the back. Like. Yeah, to go out in the evenings myself and tip around out there, or I could walk down. Even if I could sick because our road is that we've a relatively quiet country road. And it was chuckle luck with people from just fucking going for walks, that sort of stuff. So you yeah, just, of course. Yeah, yeah. Just t- you just take off in the fields and go for a walk, and to have your own couple of hundred acres to arse around in, in your own, like you know. Yeah. It was grand. So it was just kind of so that was like that's it. It was bliss, mostly bliss. 
It's very idealistic. I can't believe I said, <laughs> believe I said bliss. Uh, On permanent record. Yeah, uh, it was. Can, can, can we edit that out? Um, it was. It was grand and peaceful and enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, then again, then after a while, it kind of like oh, slowly didn't even really notice it happening, but probably got a bit frustrated. Yeah. Probably frustrated, like you know, all the same shit, just different day, you know. Oh yeah, what I was out, there's bound to be an element of that. I know it certainly was with me. Um and like I've two small kids which, you know, love them to bits, but you know not twenty four hours a day for fucking three months solid, like you're not gonna Yeah. Like, but it's mad though because you have all these notions in your head of, you know, what would you do? Because I I've often used not having the time as an excuse. You know, I, I do this or I do that but I don't have the time. And I think most people are kinda like that to one mm. degree or another. But COVID kind of shoved that right in your face. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Completely removed all excuses. For, <laughs> it was the time one, aren't you? Or whatever, but yeah. other ones. Yeah. Um, like, and does, uh, does that massive... Do everybody was baking. Yeah. It's all on Instagram. I'm sure you noticed. Um, <laughs> everybody was baking. Everybody was doing their home workouts and all that sort of stuff. I remember listening to the radio one day and Ryan Tuberty was like, you know, if you if someone said it had a tweet in and he was some actor on his feet up and saying like, you know, look if you you don't have to go up and do a Joe Joe Wicks. That workout guy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to do a Joe Wicks every sometimes if you want to just sit on the kitchen table and pick up a spoon and look at it for and put it down, <laughs> that's fine. Do you know? people there's almost a sense of, you know, we've all this time off, we have to do great things with it. You don't have to like, you know. Yeah, no, no, whatever. Just, yeah. just because you have, you're not going to work. You don't have to turn yourself into a bear, an absolute beast, or lose a lot of weight and become really fit. Whatever, like just that wasn't in your. You know, if you yeah, if you're, if you're not hyper productive, generally, why would you need to be hyper productive? Yeah, just be yourself. Like you know, if you're, you know, people think it's a great excuse to get fit, but you know, if if you're going to be fit, or whatever, or a good piano player, or whatever you're going to be it anyway you know yes yeah yeah that might be and i'm sure some people took advantage once they took advantage of it, but some people use the time to brush like you, you were showing me a lot of the work that you've done out there um well now to be fair that was all done pre-covid because i wasn't down here this was all locked up basically during during the lockdown i wasn't down here at all so everything that was happening here was all pre-covid like that's fair enough yeah um but now having said that at home uh, I did savage work around the house. Yeah, people did. People did. They they did use the opportunity to catch up on housework or painting mm. or like doing the garden up a little bit, and that's fair enough. But like, if that they're probably actual jobs people wanted to do, um, but just again didn't have the time or whatever. Yeah. But only needed. Not everybody had two weeks in a row that two three weeks they could dedicate to it. But like, if you're going to go be a marathon runner or whatever, you're not going to just do it all of a sudden because it's a pandemic you're going to be that's probably in you or not yeah not true enough yeah to a certain extent that's not the case oh no absolutely yeah for a lot of people yeah yeah it's funny because one thing i noticed about myself and again i it's it's easy noticing these things in kind of hindsight but i i got to work uh during lockdown for the three months like i was practically working a 40 hour week if not more work uh i power washed the driveway i chopped down a load of hedges and a load of trees and did major work but a lot of that was kind of almost escaping from myself, if that makes sense, mm. because I had a choice. 
I could dive into this big, uh, never-ending amount of work and get as much of it done as possible, or I could climb the walls and drive myself insane. Do you know, like, mm. I know, like, because I think these days, especially with the the phone that's in your pocket, you've accessed it everything all the time. You don't get the opportunity, or you, you don't get the opportunity to. Uh, just be comfortable in your own skin for five minutes. Do you know, like, in a way, like, I find, like, let's say I was waiting for a bus or waiting for anything. Like, the phone is in the hand. And if it's not in the hand, it's kind of, I don't know, I kind of get a bit jittery or something. Mm. It's, it's weird. We can't. That's one thing I think that... You call it Stockholm Syndrome or something, in a way, would you? It's, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's a weird one. Um, and again... It's, it's, thrown, it's bandied about so much about, you know, it's digital leash or whatever you want to call it but yeah, yeah no very much so yeah it's, again it's you know it's not new everybody's it's talked about the death of the stage but it still doesn't stop from being true yeah no very much so and it's funny because with with kids you know i grew up as i was saying kind of earlier quote unquote normal mm. but there's no such thing as normal anymore it's it's a weird one i know people keep saying that the fucking the new normal mm. like you know like i know i um but it is, it's 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 interesting how things have kind of gone and how things have how things will go. Um how do you think we've been dealing with the whole COVID thing as as a nation generally? Like how do you think the whole thing has kind of gone or Yeah, he probably did um relatively well for the first while. Um it's no surprise there, like if you just looked at the figures, they kind of obviously they took off for a while and then they um Settled down again. You know, they they won't say it was they were near to wiping it out, but it was a good. They were reasonably on top of it. Uh, obviously, I'm not saying I knew here. Like the went right down to the centre where they opened things back up again, and then I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard to say. There were all these new cases. That the kind of was it was people were trying to blame it on uh, house parties and all that sort of stuff, mm. which is kind of. It was hard. It was hard to accept. There's probably an element of truth to us, but there's, you know, then you see the different meat factories and all that sort of stuff being, um, you know, hundreds of cases coming from every day. So, yeah, I think the annoying thing about that for a lot of people was that there was signs that that was going to happen or was happening, and it was because there was at the same time that that story broke. I think a day or two later, there was that video that went round of your man pouring whiskey oh, down the necks of somebody too. yeah but the, the, the meat factory that wasn't the, that wasn't the goal long before that happened I'd say long before it happened that, there was a case that, that wasn't even looked at but, maybe. but that was that was the problem though it, it was known to be an issue oh yeah, yeah and then it just seemed to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until yeah, you everyone in, in the whole place had it and had to be closed down you man in D2 kind of um, I didn't really look into it too much to be honest but they, they were saying that it wasn't that it wasn't as bad as it looked but maybe it could could have been scapegoat a little bit. Oh, hundred percent. That's absolutely the point that I was going to make. That you had maybe the meat factory won't be an institution, but you have a large company that doesn't seem to be doing what they could to stop the spread of this virus, and that gets superseded by one guy or ten guys in a fucking pub in Dublin somewhere. Do you mm. know what I mean? So it was hundred percent, I think, scapegoat. Yeah, and so was, you say that uh, they say that the the infection rate is gone up, is up, but the the um debt rate is nowhere near as it was at the start. 
but that's largely due to it's the, the younger people are getting it and it's okay. probably look it probably as things open up again it was not necessarily were 100% off it they were it was going to be very hard to get and it's, people say like oh young people are getting it now so uh, I don't know how many percent are over 45 under 45 or whatever but is that because the people are going back to work and um, older people are minding themselves more they're kind of staying at home yeah, well, like my mom still practically hasn't—not that she hasn't left the house, but she's very, very picky. But like, she does; she hasn't gone to the shops. You know, like in a way, she's—it's mm. all online. She'll meet up with her her sisters and and brothers and that, but she's not going to public places. And she's not old, old like she's in her sixties. You know, like in a way, and mm. she's she's fit and healthy. You know, like in a way, but um, she's still limiting herself to the exposure of potentially getting this thing and i think a lot of people are in are in the same boat yeah some people are some people are still straight with people there was house parties going on and some people i think it's absolutely it's reckless behavior mm. i don't think i probably I'm not sure if i i think i went to one or two gatherings not at the height of it but as things were kind of calming down yeah but that's about the height of it now oh yeah and no, i think generally speaking i think for the most part like 99.999 percent of people basically did what they were told and stayed within their yeah. X kilometers of their house, and you know, I feel that we we all kind of came together to a degree to kind of to get to where we are now. Could we have done better? Maybe, but we could have done a hell of a lot worse. Like fucking hell, when you see what's going on in in other countries, like burying people with construction equipment. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the likes of what happened in New York and that. Like hundreds of people, were hundreds of people dying on a daily basis at one stage. Oh, you say burying people with construction equipment. Like, why are they burying them with the equipment? Ah, there he is. Yeah, was when you pulled the lock at me there. I was like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, but like, yeah, literally, like, mass load, load, ma- literally, literally, mass graves. Because I stay out of the loop. I don't watch the news. I don't listen to it for the most part. But Jesus, when I seen them literally loading up forklifts and into huge big pits in the ground, like, it's like, fucking hell, like, literally a mass grave, like, and this isn't in some sub-Saharan country that you is at war or has a famine or something like yes. New York, like yeah. Jesus, like the the height of everything, or at least it was at one stage, uh, like it considered to be, yeah, um, yeah. It's gas people. Um, I find myself when I look back at a film or I look back at something that was on telly from a few months ago, and you see a big crowd of people, you're almost kind of like, oh. <laughs> yeah it is it's 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 mad though isn't it another thing is uh how normalized face masks have been like and i'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing but it's just how we like i walk into a shop now and everyone has a face covering don't pass the slightest remark yeah, i remember you like. used to see um people in college you see like foreign exchange students wearing face masks around the place and you're like what are they what are yeah paranoid yeah look, did you go away with that <laughs> you know yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, and uh, now it's like, oh, maybe they were on something. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's matter too. Like, there's the upsides on it for me is I've gone for a couple of meals since, uh, obviously since the, the restaurants opened back up. But one thing that I that just it bugs the piss out of me is if you're in a restaurant and the couple sitting on the table beside you, you could reach over and touch their food. Like mm. you know, because they they wedge people into these restaurants just to obviously get more more bums and seats, the more money they make, but. The idea of two meter social distancing, like that, to me, should be just the norm anyway. Like, do you know, like anywhere outside of, outside of COVID. Oh, in general, like, like just reckon, in general, yeah. yeah, just personal fucking space, man. <laughs> do you know, like anyway. Yeah, some, some, I suppose in, I suppose spaces to, 
not making any more of it, I suppose. Um, yeah. My sister and went to college in London and she said that over there it was, it's non-existent. Really, yeah? Yeah, everybody's lumped in top of each other in wrestling. Of course, so sure, yeah. She, couldn't, she came back here on holidays ever. Do you like in the countryside, she was like, "Whoa, geez, everything's huge." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But she what? She's in London, you said. She was in London. Yeah. So there's what? Is there is there 15 million people oh, in London? Oh, at least that. Maybe ten times that amount. Don't think it's a no, hundred it fifty million. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like there's fucking a hell of a lot more than there is in the whole island of Ireland. Yeah. That's for sure. Like, and so that you kind of appreciate a bit more when you come home. And then again, you go into some coffee shops and. Around the place and jeez, they're you're absolutely wedging top of the other but not anymore. Or do you, you mean now? Yeah, you were, I suppose, yeah. But then okay, some some people aren't some places aren't even that some people they put a screen and different things saying, is that enough? Yeah, true enough. I see it I think, even yeah. doing the, the shopping uh I I love the the fact that they only allow so many people into the shop now because it's never wedged. It can't be wedged. I'm not fa- I was never a fan of being Clumped in with a load of people just from a personal space point of view, I suppose. Yeah, but then are they creating more of a hazard by having the people outside? Yeah, look, fuck, you don't know. You fucking yeah. get That's, shot one way or the other. Yeah. Like, no you know, my other sister worked in a pharmacy. She, she still works in a pharmacy, just she's in college. Like, and she was saying that, you know, she in, um, in, works in, in Navin, and she said, you see people, only so many people out in the shop, but then people in the shopping centre just. In a loop around the place, do you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, queuing to get in, do you know, like? Surely you mightn't catch it in the shop, but you'd catch a waiting to go into the shop. So yeah, yeah, no, true enough, yeah, and especially when you're outside queuing, you know. Whereas if you were inside, you're not going to sneeze out onto the ground, mm. but when you're outside, you're kind of that little bit more inclined to. Do you know, like yeah. in the way, so you'd wonder. But like, look, no, so many nobody knows, like you know. To face mask or not to face mask, you know, are you are you making it worse? Are you helping people? Are you, you yeah. know, being a stooge? Like, what what is it like? I mean, people giving out about lack of clarity because they don't know. Do you know, it's like phones, except for nobody knows the long term effect of this. But yeah, like, no, very much. So. Literally, f- you know, eight months ago, no one knew what it was. Yes, it didn't exist. Well, it did exist, but no one. Like, so like, it takes so long to catch up on all these things. So it kind of. Yeah, and it's like there's, so many, like there's so much criticism of the government, and oh, yes, they're not going to make they're going to make mistakes, but they're not intentionally going out to screw people. You know, like common sense, but like, but this thing about you know not letting people in the matches or nine euro meals and all that sort of stuff. There has to be some limiting factor. They can't just say, oh, go on, sort out yourselves." You know, like, yeah. Well, I mean, if if you do, like we we've, we've seen in America, what happens because they did that for the first what three or four months it mm. was just you know it'll Open pass season. it'll be grand you know herd immunity was bandied around do you know kind of way and they fucking paid the price for it yeah. like big time and are still paying the price Absolutely for it because so, it looks yeah. like but you'd wonder is it something that you have to go through because when you see what New Zealand have been able to do and I know they're a special case because they're a four hour flight from anywhere but they're pretty much free of it they never really had it. They, they stopped it before it kind of came into the country. But are they just are they just a population of sitting ducks now? Do you know what kind of way? Like, I mean, unless they're committed to isolating themselves indefinitely, like what happens in five years' time when somebody with fucking COVID rocks into the country? Like, look, maybe they're holding out for a vaccine. Who knows? But it's yeah. just it's it's an unusual one. Like to me you'd be better off, again, I'm no fucking immunologist or whatever else would qualify me to speak in these things, but to me it seems like you need to get through it. 
So you keep the amount of people. You you have an you have X amount of hospital beds. You keep them at you know ninety percent capacity, and no more. Ideally, do you know kind of way until you get through it. So you have your lockdowns in place and you have your restrictions in place. And provided that your hospitals aren't overwhelmed, you just kind of get through it as best you can. Yeah, I suppose. You yeah, but then it's very that you're paying with people's lives and you, you know, certainly sent you know, and, yeah, you and then that. you're kind of expecting, hoping nothing else goes wrong in the the interim. You know, there's not oh, outbreak. Fuck yeah, we just stop. I mean, all we need now is for fucking Trump to declare war on North Korea or fucking yeah, some or shit. That, or even just a, like, a, you know, uh, an outbreak of MRSA in the hospitals or yeah, yeah, no, without a doubt. Or it's another not, virus. But isn't it mad though? Because before COVID, it's not as if everything was sorted, everything's grand, you know, we're at the world is at peace. You know, the world is kind of always on fire. Do you know kind of way from a media perspective? Oh, like. oh yeah, I kind of this whole thing of just I was only thinking about the other day about the I was talking about something and I'm talking about the war to end all wars. We're always gonna be at war with each other. There's always gonna be someone who has something and someone else who thinks they should have it. Less and less, though, is it? Like, I mean, historically, I think there's probably less wars raging now than there ever has. Not that they're not still oh, wage, like different forms of the only had looked at. Like, I, I, I'm no expert. Um, there's you know in Yemen, um, you know the Middle East is seems to be a, a hotbed. You know in the Philippines, there's kind of uprisings against you know, uh, whoever. You know, kind of just spouting out different conflict zones here. Um, yeah, and don't get me wrong, they obviously exist, but I think, and again, I'm no expert either, but in the grand scheme of things, I think there's probably less and less wars. Yeah, to a certain extent, but I think not wars, but like even if you go to little conflicts of whatever. And I know what you mean, trade wars and spats and sanctions and, and all that. And, and that's, look, that's what, that's what breeds actual war in the long run like. yeah like um, you hear of you know in you know, the rise of populism you know this almost fabricating um, enemies in Poland the Prime Minister to talk about you know about homosexuality being the enemy of the Polish people and all that sort of stuff was this a recent outburst was it or oh, he's, he's full time at it you okay cover, and in, in Hungary <laughs> there's all these right extreme right wing you know and this whole thing of you know the you know, the M M the they the talk about the the Muslims being this almost you know the enemy of the people and you know the, this do the refugee crisis a couple of years ago mm. and the people are using this to their advantage and all that sort of stuff and you're like Jesus I think it might never it probably never go back to the extent of do a Holocaust again or something like that but like I'm always when I hear these stuff cropping up I'm always kind of shifting nervous in my seat like there was um. A friend of mine, there, a fellow, was talking to, and he was like talking about um just a few months ago. He's talking about um oh, should we look after ourselves first and not be letting other people into the country? I was like, this is how it starts. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. One person says that, and then oh, someone else says it next to There's four or five people and saying, oh, I agree with that, and then next minute there's a whole host of you know lunatics not lunatics but people these this idea coming together and then it just kind of takes root and goes from there do you know i kind of be kind of more in favor of do you know, 
just because it's the, you've the unfortunate uh, fortune not be born in war torn Sudan or Syria, you know, Syria, another place, Syria, another war alone that's going on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's you know, it should be, I think we probably have an inherent, we should not in it, it should be within us to kind of help each other, I suppose, to drive people away, you know. Oh, very much so. And as you said at the outset, it's it's more when you when you pair back the layers a lot of it's rooted in you know resources mm. you know, like, I mean, that's really what's funneling and all the the extreme rightness and that the extreme right that's on top of that it's almost like a subterfuge like the, the powers that be for want of a better term are kind of happy with all the the bickering that goes on because it means that you know an invasion could be on the cards you know like in a way or a disruption in in politics is always good. Yeah, all up, I suppose, you know. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. But yeah. it's funny because how much attention do you give these far-right groups? Like, they seem to be on the rise, left, right and centre. Uh, Not the so bun, much on the left and the centre, but definitely on the right. Yes, you know? yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, how much attention do you give these things? Like, because you don't want to give them so much attention that, you know, you bolster their numbers, but you don't want to ignore them because they're fucking dangerous or could possibly be dangerous. Like we're getting, or we're moving towards a free speech conversation. Like you as a journalist, are you a free speech absolutist or do you have an opinion on it one way or the other? Or Yeah, not everybody. You have it, but you don't have to use it. <laughs> um, true, true. Um, but it's in, it's enforcing, I suppose, is the is the thing. Yeah. Um, and who decides? You know, because it's, like I I I'm not homophobic. I, I voted in favour of the equality referendum and all the rest of it. Like you know, love is love to me, and all that jazz doesn't mean nothing to me. But that doesn't mean that somebody who objects to that, it doesn't mean that their opinion isn't valid to them at least you know the kind of way just because i don't like it doesn't mean that it shouldn't exist so it's this free speech one is a weird one yeah um i suppose that's even used to with a stick to beat the other side do you know the people who um do you if you're kind of that that way leaning if you're like anti you're homophobic or whatever or you're and you, even if you're anti-gay marriage for religious reasons or some other ethical reason but you work with me people kind of even people did express people may be afraid to say they're against it and if you let's say if you did come out against it and the other side were just launched themselves at you and like you're opening yourself up to criticism that not to force you more that way do you know what I mean yeah, oh, absolutely. Big, yeah. Like if if you no, but if you if you you have your opinion, whatever the background of that or whatever the root cause of that opinion is, you you're most likely not aware of it yourself. So if you're not aware of it yourself, how can you justify somebody else tell you that you're not entitled to it? Do you know like in a way it's a it's a strange one, like. Yeah. So we'll say it again, sorry. So if you let's say you're homophobic, you don't like gay people or you don't think you should get married or whatever, just picking that as an example. You might know necessarily why you feel that way. You just do. Mm. And then when somebody says you're wrong, that that's wrong to say that, it's a real t- attack on your on your personhood. It's not just your belief, but yeah, it's, it's your it's, it's all your beliefs. Yeah, basically. People don't like being told they're wrong and then people will be absolutely vilified first. You know, people have been, if you know, like it's the same with farming, like to a certain extent, you know, 
it is vegan act which i haven't come across much of but a friend of mine put a picture up of a calf on facebook or, or um twitter and had it was like it was during the winter there a few years ago and i had like a woolly thing for their ears or something and it was really cute looking right and um it was actually served a purpose as well but he said he got a heap of abuse from people tell him he's a monster for doing this or whatever like meat is murder yeah people. that sort of stuff like he was like laugh it off but like some people if they got that sort of stuff, they would really radicalise them to a certain, really push them over the other way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Especially these days, we seem to be more polarised than ever and people seem to be getting triggered left, right and centre and offence taking seems to be the, the latest sport nearly. It's yeah. who can get offended the most and the quickest. Yeah, um, I noticed it between, you probably, would you notice that between talking to people younger than you, if, the old, um, past generation, my generation, talking to people younger than you, like that, do you know that our generation is like a generation defined as seven years? So would you notice that with people younger than you that there's more offence taken? Or because I noticed my my little sister, um, who is I'm twenty seven, she's twenty. Okay. I definitely noticed with her generation that there's so much more. She talk about someone, she picking her words a lot more wisely and. Your, she, da- your she, dark sense of humour mightn't go down a treat there. No, I don't. Always, I, you know, I kind of leave it out at home sometimes. <laughs> Um, but maybe not her so much, but I hear her like common enough phrase. You know, somebody is a bit. The only way to say someone's say if you were to say someone's not the full shilling. Yes. Would you? What would you think of that? If I said that to to you about your man across the road there, if he's not the full full shilling, he's yeah. probably a bit touched or a bit. Yeah. Like, no, he has she, mental issues, or I don't know. Yeah, she. My sister, um, she said that if you say that in front of some of her friends in college, they like you can't say that. What are you supposed to say? I don't know. He's has mental difficulties. I, or, I, I, I don't, don't know. know. Like, yeah, but that's just an example. That, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't say I've noticed it to be honest. I've uh, I suppose with Pat's mates, which would include yourself, I suppose you what just one one difference between generations that is coming to mind now is Pat's twenty first. You were you were probably in it at it, were you? Or would you have been? probably was, yeah. Well he was twenty first in my mom's house and he had a friend of his was a DJ and he came up and he set up decks and okay, uh, yeah, Roland McGrain, was it? Yeah, could well have been, yeah. 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 Um, and beforehand I was like, Oh, my little baby brother is uh turning twenty one and I went down to the supermarket and I got a load of bags of crisps and fucking whatever else. And I bought a slab of Bulmers, a slab of Heineken, and a slab of something else. It was three slabs of beer, basically. Um, for the for his 21st, like, you know? And I remember seeing people come one after the other, and there were none of them had any drink with them. And I was kind of looking at them going, are these cunts just expecting to be fed drink here, or, or what's the story? I couldn't get my head around it. And then I realised half an hour later, none of them were fucking drinking. And to me... That just, it wasn't a 21st. Do you know what I mean? Like, my generation came up and it was just, and maybe not my generation, but maybe it was just me and my mates, but everything revolved around drink. Everything. I was never at a 21st where there wasn't, where everybody wasn't drinking. So it was just, and I've noticed it a couple of other times, but that's just a big glaring example that, that comes to mind of the kind of generational differences. Um, there seems to be and again maybe this is you know my mates versus Pat's mates but there seems to be a lot more of a focus on uh, on fitness and mental health and general well-being um, that my generation certainly wouldn't have 
and uh, racism as well. I think my generation is probably a degree or two more racist than your generation because like when I went to school in Pats it was like you know whites only school practically yeah. like there was there was one guy in the five years that I was there oh no no I tell a lie when I started there there was one dark skinned guy his name was Ding Feng he was actually half Finnish half Chinese and I knew him because I went to school in seventh with him but aside from that there was no other brown skinned person like there was a there was a guy a year above me whose nickname was the n-word and it you know do you know what i mean like Jesus. his his nickname wasn't the n-word his nickname was you know the word itself do you know that yeah, kind of way yeah, yeah. and he was called that because he was you know he just had a kind of all round tan but there was nothing wrong with that at the time like somebody the, i can imagine the teacher going you know where's paul Oh, where's Paul? Here, lads, where's the N-word? And they just shout it out in class because it was how, just completely how, normal. How much was he ahead of you? Oh, just the year above me. Oh, you're above you, yeah. So, yeah. so essentially my age, like. Yeah. When was that? I started 2006 and you're nine years. So that was late 90s. I'm terrible with years now, so I'm going to have to take... Well, no, it's funny because I always pair... Something happened in 97, which I always pair things back to. So what was I, so 97, I was in 7th, so 98, I would have been in first year. Um, What's 7th, sorry? 7th class. You're not familiar with 7th? No. So. Oh, that was when you were held back and. I didn't get into Pats, so you progressed to 7th after 6th, say, but not going into first year. So you stayed back in primary school for year, was it? No, I I actually changed schools, so there wasn't a 7th class in my school. And I didn't want to repeat sixth class. Right. So I went to another school and did seventh. Best thing that fucking ever happened to me, to be honest. And it was just a normal year in primary school? or? Yeah, well, it was just, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Just another I, year. I heard about that, but it's, that's after... Just completely foreign to you. Like. Yeah, I, I was waking something way back in my mind here. He was like, whoa, that, that was a thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's mad. It's, uh, best thing that ever happened to me, because I went to Stickallen Primary School, which is a, a little... Uh, a little school is, well, I think there was about 150 people there or something when I was there, so small. Um, Jeez, I was in Robinstown and it was... Oh, smaller again, yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Robinstown and Stockholm would probably be the same. Out in the country, pretty idyllic, like, do you know, that kind of way. Um, from the outside, yeah. From the, from the outside, yeah. Well, even for, yeah. for, for me, it was a, I had a fairy tale existence in, in primary school for the most part. And then, so I would have went from there if I had gotten into St. Pat's the secondary school, I would have been a complete innocent boy into a fucking pack of wolves, basically. Yeah. And seven class was that pack of wolves, but at least I got to make all my mistakes outside of where I was going to spend the next kind of five years. And that's another thing that I noticed, just speaking of the intergenerational thing, um, when Pat was telling me about, you know, oh, the mad thing that somebody did when he was in Pat's, like, I was like, You'd be looking at him going, but sure, what? That's that's nothing. Like we used to fucking kick the shit out of each other on a daily basis yeah. in the corridor. Like the teachers would nearly be breaking up rows as a as a kind of a regular thing. Like there was one fucking feud between a couple of lads in Pats and a couple of lads in the other school, the tech. And it got that bad that half this that all the shops on Bruce Hill were closed when the schools closed. Because it was it was it was that kind of an environment. Like you had Jesus. hundreds of people. They it was, was Baghdad, like, mad, you know. like mad. But again, at the time, it was a bit mad, but not that mad. But yeah, now it just can, seems just like it never Lunas, could have happened. Jesus like. Christ, yeah. That's um, insane. 
but yeah so little things like I mean we would have been smoking joints at lunchtime in secondary school and that was just not the not the norm and again yeah ha- I have to remember that it was my clique of friends like but to, to talk to Pat about that and he's like Jesus like would you not get you know arrested and thrown in jail <laughs> forever for something like that like but to us it was I don't know a lot more normative than it seems to be now in a good way like I don't think he should be smoking no, joints at lunchtime probably not <laughs> best food for your education but yeah one, one thing I noticed was in um, when we were in first year there was more fights at like arranged fights yeah yeah and meet you after school at this location or whatever like yeah sure it was handbags a lot of time but (laughs) um after first year after the kind of new regime in the school um the the Colin Rourke came principal you were in Pats yeah hilarious yeah sorry I never thought to ask yeah so um, he he was Mr. Kennedy was the principal now in first year I remember him well and um O'Rourke then became O'Rourke was vice principal and then O'Rourke became Colin O'Rourke became the principal when I was in second year and maybe it was that or but they, they came down a lot harder and stuff like fights and piercings and beach tear and earrings and jackets like non-uniform jackets and all that sort of stuff so yeah yeah of, yeah it kind of conformity a, yeah to a large extent <laughs> yeah maybe it'll maybe better off if everybody wears the same thing and Nobody has to. Yeah, well, look, that's the the point of uniforms, isn't it? Like they just yeah. kind of. So like it's, so they say that you know, so not everybody's. So I don't turn up in my new Man United jersey, and someone else comes in in their. Yeah. Hand me down t shirt. You know. The ten years previous jersey that's or, been handed down, or, like or, or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, or whatever. So you know, maybe just an element of that and do it, but kind of. You know, I thought it was, it was a grand school for instance, but like then and one, one of those like if you go back now go down with the, the bounty in the corridor or whatever yeah. you know. <laughs> and come here have you noticed much of a difference let's say do you know many people that would be seven years older than you say or like would you notice a difference in your generation to people above you or below you or um, in, a, in relation to like a fence taking like, or anything like no, I, I, not people older than me. Again, you hear stories of people in school and, you know, stuff they used to do and different things like that. But I notice people younger than me, but some people older than me, not as much. Right, yeah. So, you see, it's hard when you're in... Younger people, I think they're... When you get to being an adult, say, in your, let's say, mid-20s to early 30s, say, after that, a, you know, a 35-year-old and a 45-year-old are, you know essentially the same thing but when you're younger the difference between 21 and 17 is just colossal like it's enormous difference so you so you're a lot you're you're kind of exaggerated when you're younger you haven't kind of settled into yourself i suppose so there's more there's probably more to notice in younger people do you know kind of way yeah i see it all before when you get to a certain age you kind of I'm not there just yet. Yeah, I see it before. But the constant yeah. age thing. No, What's no, the no, story, not you. Man? I mean, people in general. You know, when you get to 27, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. Everything's the novelty of kind of wears wears off things, I suppose. Um, well, you'd hope it will for people. Do you know yeah. what kind of it should? Like the madness of your twenties should kind of peter out towards thirty. Do you yeah. know what kind of way? Um, <laughs> I hope so. Maybe someday. Um, so one thing I noticed is that. Um, was drink driving has probably gone down and off that's kind of across the board really though yeah and smoking and driving that's the one I've noticed so I grew up um, 
I grew up drink for me personally drink driving was just you just didn't do it even for my generation now I remember my dad telling me a story of our local pub Scanlon's and my dad wasn't a drinker by any means but I remember him telling me a story that he was in he didn't really drink I think he was having seven ups at the time but there was a guy who'd fallen asleep at the bar fallen asleep drunk like absolutely just astoches and no one could wake him so two guys uh, basically picked him up off the bar got his keys out of his car or out of his pocket opened it and just basically throw him into it so when he woke up at least he'd be in his car do you know that kind of way and they were two guards right. so that'll tell you the difference between fucking then and now like, do you know that kind of way but with me with smoking I would have smoked and, dry, and drove and so would any of my friends that were that were smokers they would have smoked and dro- drove because A there was no ad saying don't smoke and drive B they and weren't smoke testing for cannabis, cannabis it, not it, just, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it wasn't being tested first. There was no hope of you hitting a, a roadside test. But that's actually changed. So in the last, I think, two or three years, mm. they brought it in. So that's starting to change now. Like, do you know what I mean? So it's it's weird. On one hand, when I was younger, I couldn't understand how anybody could drink and drive. It's just so fucking irresponsible. But in the same breath, I was smoking joints and driving. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 it's weird. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, for even someone from your age to hear somebody saying that we used to smoke and drive all the time is probably completely foreign to to you like it depends i suppose on how in or out of drug culture you are i suppose yeah i've heard of people remember talking to a taxi driver who said he drove home across europe in the snow high as a kite like and i was like jesus it's only a few years ago like that's saying that's completely alien but like why would you do that yeah that's, yeah doesn't sound fun at all you know? No, and it's not. It's it's funny because the big difference between let's say cannabis and alcohol, for example, is I would imagine like I'd love to drink drive. I'd love to get uh, I'd love to get go so, out in the piss with the lads and then rally the car around Mondello. Do you know kind of way that yeah, that yeah. would appeal to me? Yeah. But smoking and driving doesn't appeal to me. I did it because you go to someone's house, you'd have a smoke and you drive home, but you dread the drive home. It's not. It's it's a different. It's a different type of intoxicant. Do you know kind of way. <laughs> Um. So yeah, it's 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 weird that way. But uh, how do we get talking about fucking cannabis and drink driving and I think intergenerational differences? <laughs> it's right, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, we're actually. back in the room. I'm yeah. impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah. That's the journalist coming out, and you know, bring the bringing the person back. Listen, man, we're on fucking Jesus Christ, the two and a half hour mark. I'm gonna wrap it up. How do people find your articles if they if they're interested? Michael Keaveney Independent if they stuck that into Google or something Say again, so if you want if, to find me yeah but if you want if somebody was interested in reading an article of yours yeah more or less Michael Keaveney um, look up Frano McKeown Irish Independent and go from there <laughs> yeah it's right the article was brilliant by the way and thanks again for the article because it it, it was a weird one because it was done in the middle of lockdown it um like it's not as if the day after the phone was hopping with fucking orders because it couldn't like do you know mm. where everything was kind of closed down but um it was great for me to get a window into that world because i suppose prior to that i would have seen an article on somebody in the paper and i'm like oh fuck and i would have thought i would certainly would have thought of it differently than i do now mm. because of you know yourself when you experience something it's like i don't know it's like being the extra it's like being an extra in a movie you kind of see the cameras you see how you get to see how it's kind of put together. As, so, uh, as I always say, you get to see the sausages made. You don't. Want, you might need the sausage after you've seen it made. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. But uh, no, so thanks again for the article because 
again, there wasn't a deluge of fucking calls, but I'll always have a, I'll always be able to drop that into conversation. Do you know the kind of way the article in the Independent, and that that has value, especially if I was going looking for funding, say to venture capitalists or mm. whoever it is. Like dropping something like that, it goes a long yes. way. Do you know the kind of way? That's just the the eternal salesman in me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I suppose. And then and in reality, it was just your brother's friend. Rang well, you see, that's it. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. My my I little would... baby brother, I've got that in loads in this podcast. That's great. You fucking drive him nuts. Bitch, Pat. <laughs> but um, yeah, listen, as I said, man, absolute pleasure having you on. Michael Keaveney, independent, if you want to pull up his articles. And uh, unless there's anything else that you want to fucking cover before we... No, I think that's out. more or less it. You said it was in two and a half hours. I think we'll give the people who were stuck through a break. Give them a break, is yeah. right. Well, listen, for part two. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, listen, a trilogy going on here. Yeah. Thanks again for coming in, man. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. And yeah, Jesus, I've forgotten how to sign off on a fucking podcast. Thanks again. Good luck. <laughs>